Hi, I'm Fernando Ruiz, artist and writer for Archie Comics, Archie vs. Predator, and Die Kitty Die, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> wow. Jason, let you, you know, get away with it. puppy. I'm having a little puppy problem. Puppy woohoo after this. See, he let, I, the strategy was to let you get away with it, but not me. That's what it was. Oh my god, your dog is freaking adorable. Thanks, man. Yeah, I want him. Adorbs. I want him. Dude, you know what though? He's got nervous bladder though. Uh, Just because he's little. Yeah, I guess, man. Every time I walk in the door, little dude sprinkles before I give him a chance to grab oh, my son. <laughs> Maybe he's just excited. Maybe it's not uh, pee. Maybe it's something else. Oh, he's mad excited, dude. His little tail shakes. He's like all shivering. And Hobbs is good with him? Hobbs is great with him. Because Hobbs is the old dog. He's like, this is my house. Nah, he's totally chill, dude. Oh. He, he, I mean, he likes to like... Hobbs is like likes to go a little... Take the high ground a little bit sometimes so he can get away from the dog. But mm-hmm. but, uh, but now he's been totally great. There's, there could be one drawback to having a resident dog and with the new puppy... You know how Hobbs barks at everything? The, yes. little, the little guy may pick that up. It's very true. Yeah. That's what happened with our dogs. Buddies. Lucas barks at somebody farts and Lucas barks. And, but mm-hmm. then that's how Mario is now. But he wasn't for the first like month or two. But what's funny is, because you're right, he does bark at, but like Hobbs is super, like, it's so weird because he's super quiet normally. Like he never barks ever. Like mm-hmm. when it's just us. Right. Like ever. Almost like he's silent. So the puppy hasn't been barking much at all, but you're right. Like when strangers come in the house, the house goes bald. So we'll see tomorrow because uh, Colin's birthday was this month, as you guys know, and he's having some friends over sleepover, like uh, t- tomorrow for to celebrate. And uh, so there's gonna be like four teenage boys that aren't normally in the house over tomorrow. So Hobbs will definitely barking his face off. We'll see if the puppy takes after it or not. I want to come to your house just to see Chance. Like the hell with you. I want to. I want to oh, play with dude, the dog. Well, NYCC's home. Yeah. Hopefully, you'll bring Chance then. with us uh, to Heroes. Look at that. Aww. We'll keep him holed up in the uh, in the hotel room. No, that's not fun for the dog. No, I'm kidding, dude. Yeah, I know you're kidding. <laughs> and I'm not playing around either because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode Ooh. 466. Damn. Yes. And I'm Vince B. You are. You are so Vince B. I am David A. Price. What does that mean? Indeed you are. But more importantly, I am Jose Abreu. <laughs> You're not Jose Abreu. You're Jason Wood. What's up? Cause for celebration. We have a brand spanking new sponsor for this episode. Oh, snap. Look at that. Today's show All is... Thrones up. Yes. Well, it, it only took eight years. Today's <laughs> show is brought to you by who? Valiant. Valiant, yes. yes. I heard them. And the all-new XO Manowar number one on sale now, right now, in comic shops everywhere. We talked about it last week, but I'm telling you about it again because it's the New York Times best-selling writer Matt Kent, mm-hmm. he of magnificent beard, uh, and rising star Thomas Giarello. Oh my God! Kick off a brand so new good. beginning for Valiant's flagship character. I gotta. I take issue with that flagship character. It's Bloodshot. Um, the mm. Beginning for Vlag, uh, Valiant's flagship character in part one of Soldier. It's a perfect jumping on point and the opening chapter of 2017's biggest new ongoing series. 
So, if you've been looking for a place to start with one of the most acclaimed publishers in comics today, I like acclaimed, valiant, Mm -hmm. see, Uh, the legacy. Well, it's true, though. (laughs) No, I'm saying... Yeah, but it's a play on with the old old company. Yeah. I know. But the listeners may not. Mm -hmm. Right. So, we're just pointing it out to them. We're not saying you're you're a a soft head. We're just saying. Uh, (laughs) Soft head. Did you just say that in 2017, dude? (laughs) You're not allowed to say that. I'm sorry. You just ruined our sponsorship. No, no, I did. They're going to pull it now. No, they won't. So if you've been looking for a place to start with EXO and Valiant in general, this is it. Jump on board this bus because it's freewheeling and it's not going to stop. EXO Manowar number one is on sale right now from Valiant Entertainment. You want to hear more about it? Download last episode if you haven't already and listen because we talked about it. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about it this week because – I get images from the guys to put up on the 11oClockComics.com website in tandem with this episode. And David sent me some images from Exo Manowar number one. So I'm guessing he's going to talk about it. Is Speak it, on it. Did I guess correctly? Well, no, we, that was... That was what? The images were all included for last week. Oh, buddy. So you didn't include them in last... But, but we talked about it last week. We did. Well, we so can, yeah, but okay. Here we go. Uh, see, Valiant, the best. Just jump on board this. And lest we forget, this episode is also sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your Valiant books at a fraction of the cover price. What? They do not mind late orders and order order. Uh, oh my end. See, the wow. Valiant, the Valiant threw me a curveball. I'm off my game. <laughs> The list of specials is not up yet because the previews is just just came out. So I'm going to reiterate what I told you last week so you can see what you could have gotten if you were a discount comic book service subscriber last month. From first second, Spill Zone Hardcover Graphic Novel Volume One. Scott Westerfield, Alex Pulvaland. This thing is hot. There's a lot of buzz uh centered around this thing. Um, I told you about it, but in case you forgot, uh, a small city of Poughkeepsie had a major climactic event. Uh, reality changed within this place. And there's a girl named Lexa who has a big sister um, named Addison. And Addison makes her money by taking pictures of the things lurking within the uh, spill zone. It's pretty cool. Twenty two ninety nine cover price. York price. Unheard of. Over at Fantagraphics, they're making my pants a little bit, well, a lot tighter by publishing a brand new graphic novel from my man, Gary Panter. It's called Songy of Paradise. It's a gigantic thing. Um, $34.99 cover price. Your price? $22.74. And everything old is new again because 25 years ago, Youngblood number one launched the Image Revolution and now they're going back. They're um, re- revisiting those characters, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Chad Bowers, Jim Toe, three ninety nine cover price. You can have it for a paltry $1.99. DCBService.com. Say it. Just for me. DCBService.com. Go there. They are the very, very, very best. Yes, indeed they are. 
We ready to do this or what? What up? You ready to tell me what y'all drinking? Uh, who? Uh, let's mix it up. Have Vince go first. All right. I always go first. I'm drinking jug wine. Again? I, yeah, I, it's not done. It's a big jug, so, I guess. Again, it's naturally. like the TARDIS. The inside of the jug wine bottle must be much larger than the, in the outside because it doesn't look like it's going down. And I'm not, like, sipping. I'm drinking it. Hmm. I don't hey, know. did you know, speaking of TARDIS, that uh, Craig Ferguson and Peter Capaldi were long, were used to be roommates when they were young and they were in a band together? No way. That's funny. I find that hard to believe. I can see it happening. Right? That's cool. Bananas. It's trippy, I think. What you drinking, Jason? I am drinking Lawson's Ridge Shiraz Dash Cabernet Sauvignon. Wow. It's got a dash mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, a little something. 2015 from Bright Cellars. It's very nice. Nice and dry. Like, I like it. Mm. Yes, sir. How about you, Dad? Uh, um, finally, I, I, I don't treat myself to this too often because mm-hmm. I, I like it a lot. And, and like it uh, it's <laughs> – I know Vince is going to love it because he's, uh, he's going to get a huge kick out of um, who makes this wine. Knob and Creek. This is, uh, I'm sorry? Knob Creek. No. That's, that's, that's whiskey. Um, sorry. This is the Dreaming Tree Crush California Red Wine, and it is uh, it's it's brought to you by Sean McKenzie and Mr. Dave Matthews. Wow! Mm. Did you crash into that bottle? Mm. I didn't. I did not crash into this bottle or 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 take it under the table to dream it. So, yeah. I knew that one was going to come. But no, this is uh, dreamingtreewines.com. And and I've had uh I've had a couple of what they a couple of bottles of what they offer, but this is one of my favorites and and uh it is really easy to go through the entire bottle. So, like I said, I don't uh, I don't treat myself to it too often because I don't want to uh, you know, too much of a good thing and all that jazz. But this is really, really good and one of my favorites. And I'm having it tonight because I know Vince loves Dave Matthews Band. I don't dislike Dave Dave Matthews. I know you band. don't dislike. I don't. I just I know. I'm just not a fan. But I I, what, what he does, he they, the whole band, they're very accomplished musicians. And, and it's just, I just, I don't, I'm sorry, I just don't get it. I still haven't been able to see them in concert. Oh, no? You got to correct no. that. I do. I do. I'd love to. I was just, what, I was just this past summer, so I think, yeah. Yeah, which is why I was waiting for you to actually be here during drink roll call to crack this open. Ah, respect. Past, past couple weeks, you haven't been. Blame the government, man. I do. All the time. Every fucking day. Damn Securities and ex- ex- Securities Exchange Commission. Now, what have we been reading? Wow, lots well, of stuff. I'm sorry, one thing. I don't have a, a thank you, but I want to do a quick shout-out, though. Do it. Uh-huh. Uh, this week is the last week of the baseball preseason. Uh, baseball gets underway at the start of April, and that is significant to us because of our fallen comrade, Mr. Greg LeClaire, who passed away, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Greg was our most active and, frankly, best member of our many fantasy baseball leagues that EOC has been running for years. So we renamed all the leagues the LeClaire Invitationals, and we have been plowing through those drafts this week. We had our AL-only 
league on uh, Tuesday with Dap and I both participating. We had our the the big the big the big league the 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 classic five by five major league uh, last night. Dap's also part of that with me. Tonight we have concurrent with the show our um, our I'm sorry our annual only was was on Tuesday. Apologies. Uh, our AL only is tonight, and then on Monday we have our last of the four, which is our keeper league. And uh, again, the, the Leclerc Invitationals now. Greg always made side bets with me, uh, and others apparently, as it turns out. Greg, your whole fucking library as a result. <laughs> he does. Where he would sort of bet, uh, we would bet about the outcomes of the leagues, and the, the loser would, would get, uh, would have to pay the winner, usually an omnibus or an absolute of their choosing. I think I owed Greg. I lost to him in four straight years. Apparently, I wasn't the only one. But in honor of that, our leagues will be rewarding an omnibus or an absolute to the winner each year just to keep his memory going. So lifting my glass up here to Greg because it's the start of baseball season. I'm always going to think of him. And uh, thanks to everybody who has participated since jump. But also, we got a bunch of new people that were really interested in joining the leagues because of wanting to honor Greg. So it's been a lot of fun. And I have to say, I've been more interested in this year's drafts than I have been in a long time just to uh, make sure that we uh, we do right by our fallen comrades. So here's to Greg. Cheers. Nice. The, um, I do like what um, what Flippa mentioned last night, although it didn't benefit him any if it actually happens. But if um, – I don't, I don't know if I – see, yes, it, one winner at the end, whoever wins, gets – what they get, but I don't think I, I I think as as the season goes on, um maybe whoever has we should do something every month for for so, as long as you know it doesn't get crazy and the same person doesn't keep freaking winning. But I, I like the idea of whoever has, you know, the highest amount of, of players with stolen bases or or mm-hmm. home runs and, and that person gets something from the uh Almost like a secret Santa, someone else from. Yeah, from, I like from it. I like roster. it. Um, but I, I enjoy one of the funnest parts for me for the draft is Jason's reactions whenever someone drafts somebody. And well, Dap, uh, especially in my uh, Yeah, I, I apparently I fucked the last time I give Dap my cheap sheet before we draft. <laughs> it was, and uh, and because Ryan Brownie's in, uh, well, he was in the National League league and he, uh, fantasy league, and and he was in the. Um, He's in the the mixed, and yep. he is. Uh, it's it's always his his little side stories as as the draft is going on. It's almost he's almost like Gareth Kelly. You're just gonna sit there and watch the little smack talk go by, and 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 he's gonna say something about any of the players who was just just drafted. It, it's it is a fun time, and now everybody's gonna get serious because the season starts, and and uh, everybody's gonna just hunker down and, and get ready and. Make those trades, and it, it's. It, I do enjoy it. It's something that I, I have a routine where every morning I, I start to set everybody up, and then as the day goes on, I see who's on the bench, what game gets delayed, things like that. So it's. I. It, it's actually something that I look forward to every year throughout the um, spring and summer. My man, Vince is just quiet. He's like, I don't even know what this baseball is. Yeah. Speak of. It's like, why isn't there a bowling league? That'd be great. That'd be oh great. God, could you imagine? Oh, oh man, I'd be on that. The Eleven o'clock mouth breathers. <laughs> and, he, and he wonders why I'm on his dick. I know. He oh, wonders why. Yeah. It's time. 
right. Oh, snap. F this. I'm going first. Oh, are you? Do it, Brad, yeah. baby. I got Dude, some... we have a lot of comics to cover. Yeah, I know. But see, I... I... I saw Dap's list. Vince didn't do a list this week because I guess he doesn't love it. I, I did do a list. No, you, you mentioned did. it inside the general thread, but you did True, true. Like but Dap read a crap ton of comics this week, and I read a crap ton of comics. It's been over the past couple of weeks because we don't know. Yeah, you I, I do carry pull it forward. You right. carry forward, yeah. Well, go ahead, Vince. Hit it. Yeah, why is my phone ringing? But anyway, see, <laughs> as usual, I'm the inverse of y'all. I, I read um, a good amount of stuff this week, but... Uh, and, and, and I'll talk about the, the things that we read in tandem, but I want to go kind of deep on one book because okay. I think it deserves it. So what I'm going it's to – it's an anthology. Oh, uh, now we're talking about language. Well, maybe not. Wait. <laughs> it, 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 it's an anthology focusing on the work of one man. It's loaded with stories, and I think they're all great. So I culled um, the best of them, and I want to talk about them. Um, it's volume 19 in the uh, Chilling Archives of Horror Comics from the fine folks at IDW and Yo Books. Our buddy Craig Yo doesn't do crap. This is awesome. He has picked the best of Jay Disbrow's work, and it's called Jay Disbrow's Monster Invasion. Nice. Yeah. You familiar with Jay Disbrow? Uh, only, frankly, through you mentioning him okay. some time ago and... But so I can't say that I've read much of it. He's one of the few pre-code horror comics creators that's still alive. He's he's up there in age as you know. So we're talking pre-code. You're talking fifties, right? Mm-hmm. So if he was uh, at his professional peak in fifty, he's he's a a seasoned gentleman. Let's just say, um, and Mister Yo takes advantage of the fact that he's still alive with an extensive interview. Up front in the book, I love this stuff. You give me any kind of background information straight from the horse's mouth on the stuff I'm mm-hmm. going to read, it's all good. Uh, Disbrow cites Alex Raymond and Al Williamson as massive influences. And when you look at his art, you got to give him the stink eye because the actual work is worlds away from Raymond uh, or Williamson. Uh, it's kind of more along the lines of... Uh, Fletcher Hanks by way of Ben Mara. You, you got arms that are too long or too short, uh, heads that are out of proportion with the bodies. Um, it's it's very like like Ben Mara stuff. It's very unique to see, mm-hmm. and I call that good. He's not an elegant illustrator. He doesn't have the line of an Alex Raymond or Williamson or Wally Wood. He he also praises Wally Wood in the in the interview. But he does have this kind of quirky graphic style that isn't commonplace. So if you if you're a unique voice in art, unique to me is very very good, right? Um, but I gotta call bullshit on uh, I gotta call bullshit on Disbrow because he calls Milton Kniff sloppy. Oh, like you can't get away with Whoa. that. Dude. You just can't because Kniff is anything but sloppy. Um, but anyway, like Fletcher Hanks though. This, this brow's one of a kind. Uh, mm-hmm. His people are kind of plastic, as if they were pooted forth from a machine. All his men look very similar. All his women are um, of a certain proportion and, and, mm-hmm. and look like Wally Wood. Wally Wood's women all looked kind of alike. They all had very, you know, uh, they all had the childbearing hips, let's just say. But the thing about Disbrow that I love is his monsters. 
His monsters are awesome and strange. Um, another uh, plus and drawback is that Disbrow also wrote the stories that he illustrated. When he first started getting into comics, you know, he would take the script and, and do it up. And, and then so he decided to write his own story and bring it in on spec. So he brought it in and the editor loved it. So he's like, okay, can I keep doing this? Can I keep writing it and drawing it? It's like, cool, yeah, go ahead. But like his art, um, his writing is a bit of a, you know, freaky sideshow act. There's errors in grammar and punctuation all over the place. Commas are inserted where they don't belong. Compound words are broken in two. It's kind of maddening. If you're like a grammar, a grammar hound, this book will. Like that. No, I don't know who you're talking about. This book will drive you absolutely crazy because you don't expect somewhere to be broken up into two words. It's just it, 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 it's like what is going on here? But the stories are so much fun. Uh, and you could tell that Disbrow wrote the things into the stories that he wanted to draw. Um, it's like, hey, how about a giant monster that changes the appearance of its head every panel? Yeah, sure. Why not? Because I'm drawing it. That's a good one. Thanks for coming up with that, me. Uh, so uh, the first story I want to talk about is called The Horrible Entity. Okay. Yes, it's from Crime Detector Number 5, September 1954, published by Timor. Um, the, the premise is that all of the world's atomic scientists are turning up dead. Mm-hmm. And their craniums are melted. Pray. <laughs> it's not the commies. Because the commie scientists are dying too. No, that's a big part of the book. They're like, oh, what, it's got to be the commies. And some person says, it can't be because the commie scientists are dying. So, so who's, who's behind this, right? The problem yes. is, with all the atomic scientists gone, who's going to maintain all this nuclear stuff? Mm-hmm. Right? So, enter Alexander Post, America's top nuclear physicist. And he receives a, he receives a very alarming phone call. Okay. Picks up, picks up the receiver. Your time is up, professor. You're going to die. No escape. Sad, right? So he calls the FBI, and the FBI ju- <laughs> the FBI jump on the case. <laughs> Sad. And so the professor receives another threatening phone call, and the call is traced to a phone booth. Remember those? And the receiver's like dangling, so they're, they're looking at the receiver, and it's like, "What's going on with this? There's some slimy residue on the receiver. Let's analyze it." And so the group is tested, and it's found to contain protozoans it's spelled p-r-o-t-o-z-o-o-a-n-s protozoans that aren't from this world and they do the old the the old microscope zoom in on the protozoans and they all have monster faces (laughs) right so um the professor gets a third and final call and it's the most gruesome and ridiculous he's got his ear to the receiver and the the professor's harasser screams out, out of the phone. He screams at him, and then this goop starts coming out of the phone and, and, and flopping onto the, the floor. And this disgusting, one-eyed, fanged monstrosity traveled through the phone line, right? Into through the, the prof- phone? It, through the phone. Into the professor's room, shoots a bolt of mental energy at his head, and destroys the professor's skull cap. And he, and he dies. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> so, like, the, the 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 gist of it all, mankind abandons nuclear energy in the wake of this thing. We got no scientists left. 
right. you know, they're all dead. But that's exactly what this entity wanted because without atomic energy, you don't have atomic weapons. Okay. And without atomic weapons, you can't defend themselves. So it's all to pave the way for an alien invasion. Oh, snap. It's nuts, right? I like it. I love this stuff. I'm going to talk more about it. But um, So that's part one. That's, no, no, no. That's part one. You, you guys do it and I'll come in with a little, another one. I got, I got a bunch of them. Little something, something. Got a million of them. And remember, if you would like to see the art of which I speak, come to eleven o'clock comics dot com, and you could see it. it's all there. I, all I, there, I, yo. I pulled the page from the horrible entity, the splash page. It is great. It's so good. So good. Yeah. So very good. That is a pretty cool website. It is. What you reading? Well, I mean, read lots of shit, man. Well, you know, uh, dude, let's jump in. Let's do it. Let's. Uh, we are all huge fans of Mr. Brandon Stoko. Yes, I'm sorry, and, James, and James, Mr. James, James Stoko. Stoko. <laughs> such a dick. James, oh, James. and James Stoko. We are all huge fans of Mr. James Stoko. Yes, and Dark Horse has put out. An insane amount of aliens comics over the years. True that. And I must admit that I have not read all that many of them. Um, I guess the last ones were those. Uh, what was the like that that little Firestone. series they had a year or two ago? Firestone. What uh, based on the Prometheus movie? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, those were good, uh, but I haven't. But but certainly have not read anything but a fraction of what Dark Horse has put out over the years. And it it definitely is one of those those um, those groups of titles that has a huge following. There are some people that love the alien comics, just love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we all saw the solicit for aliens, dead orbit, AKA Aldo, um, not just the place to buy your shoes. Uh, it, uh, it, it piqued our interest because it was written and drawn by Mr. Stoko, who again, we all love his work. Um, and land. Yeah. He did the whole shebang. And so, uh, at Dark Horse is very kind to provide us with, uh, comp early copies of all their stuff, except for Hellboy. Uh, and, yeah. um, we all got a chance to read it. And I thought it was terrific. It was exactly what I hoped it would be, which is, you know, his, his penchant, Stoko's penchant for, uh, tons of detail and nuance, not to mention a very organic, um, style, I think, really lent itself to the aliens' um, setting in the universe, and uh, I I could easily see this as have been been the, the treatise for the next aliens movie. So I was a, a big fan of the first issue. How about you guys? I loved it. It's a, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's. I think um, I have a very soft spot for the aliens franchise. As, mm-hmm. as do most people. Uh, that's why we get all our panties in a bunch whenever someone brings up everything after aliens. Beca- because we're butthurt because <laughs> yes. they sucked. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of Prometheus, with the exception right. of Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Prometheus is brilliant. Um, but the, the thing about Alien and Aliens, two different, very different movies. Yep. But the thing is, uh, for me, the draw is the atmosphere. 
the the design of the Nostromo and the the spacesuits and and Giger's alien like it's it's mm-hmm. it's all designed for me and which lends itself to to the atmosphere and Cameron did um he complimented the ori- the original movie but in a way that was separate but equal i think what's mm-hmm. Ali- aliens is an action movie whereas alien is not it's a horror movie and um right. but you know side by side which one do you pick they're they're both phenomenal films uh depends on what what you know you're looking for but the thing with dead orbit is that same atmosphere is on every page of this comic yeah because stoko designs i mean he he takes what he's been given in the giger and 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 you know the the mobius designs for the the original two films and he just adds that stoko magnificence the the, he, the guy designs everything in his own comic so he just does it here and it's just it's a clusterfuck but it's beautiful like yeah, there there yeah. is shit going on everywhere on this these pages oh it's it's it, it's almost like a where's waldo and it lends itself so well to the idea of the uh of, of the alien right because there's even that one the one panel where it is an alien, then he looks and he thinks it's there, but then it's just a bunch of machinery, right? Right, yeah. You know, but but he, but he Stoko's style is so perfect for that because it, it just, um, I don't know, it just it just seems, again, it's that car, it's it's just cartoony enough that visually even you're not sure if it's an alien or junk for a second. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, wait, is that is that really an alien? Oh, no, it's not, you know? Yeah. And he touches on all the uh, the things that you would expect in an aliens related story, the, the cryo tubes, the, the desolate, um, scenario going on. You got a space station and they just happen to come upon something. It's, it's the classic setup. And it's like, yeah, they come across a, basically like a junk freighter or like a scavenger freighter. Uh, and even, I love that they're like, Oh, it's a big, big ass on that one. Cause it's got like a huge tail, you know, like a whole lot of stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, I mean, I'm assuming he's a fan of the source material because there's a lot of little visual and, and textual sight gags or homages to the movies, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was awesome. Uh, I think it's really well paced. Yep. Uh, and again, I don't know what you would think of this if you've never seen one of the films, but if you've seen the films and you're a fan of the early films in particular, it felt like that, right? It felt like that pacing. You meet the characters. You get to know them just enough that you sort of care if they're going to die. But then, but then they kind of just get you right into the action, uh, the, a sense of dread, a sense of foreboding. I, I, I man, I just think it was a home run. Right, I, I did too, and and I'm going to throw this out there because I believe it. Um, the alien pedigree has seen a lot of world class artists come through, starting sure. starting with Giger, and um, Mobius did some design mm-hmm. as well for the films um but in comics simonson. We've, we've had simonson corbin um mm-hmm. kelly jones yes kelly jones i think um stoko does the series proud because his work here stands with all of the greats that have come before him yeah it's I, I, it's not far fetched to say. You look at this at every panel in this thing, and just the love is just dripping. 
it's it's it feels natural it feels researched and designed and um uh there's well thought out story and i i wish i could show you a lot of these pages but dark horse has a policy where you can't really use um art from the uh the the pdfs so i mean i used the cover last week but you need to see this art i mean it, when when the alien does appear, the the page is just gorgeous, and mm-hmm. he and he rendered the alien entirely in black, and all the details were done in in white. It's just super smart, and then color applied over it. But still, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, page, and there's like smoke billowing, and every little undulation in the smoke is is delineated, and it just keeps going and going. And you're thinking, well, as an illustrator, I'm thinking that must have taken about a good five hours to draw probably more mm-hmm. yeah it's just great stuff dap did you love it i did um it's hesitant no I, well because um i'm i'm flipping through it again and it, it's it's weird I, i'm not trying to um it, there are certain things there are times where i have problems with with, with flashbacks because then it, it just for me it it lessens the suspense in when you're retelling a story because the person telling the story obviously they escaped whatever danger they're they're trying to let you know about so you kind of just have to get caught up in the story as as it's happening and hopefully the story they're telling will get you excited or anxious but um, it it the first few pages you have the, the we get the exterior. Of, of the fuel depot, and then we see one person on this vessel, mm-hmm. and they have to, he has to take care of something, and then we, he looks off in the distance, and then we cut to, uh, events that led up to that, and that's where the, the rest of the issue takes place. So I am, the fact that we're, we have to see how he gets to this place, um, there are so many, uh, that, that, that's one feature in, in, in its favor. I think that that's a, um, that's an enough hook, especially in, in an alien story because you're, you already know you're going to get knocked over with, with, with suspense because every time somebody turns a corner, every time he's flipped a page, um, you don't know what the hell's going to be on the other side, so it it's it it just adds to it because if is is he the little survivor? He's he's it's just there yeah. there are questions kicking off mm-hmm. almost right away. Right, but um, has there ever been an aliens movie or story that wasn't Ten Little Indians? No, that, absolutely you know right. that that's the it's premise. All, I mean, the, right. everybody going to die except it's, for you know the lucky ones. As as a you know, it, it's it's definitely it's formulaic in that regard, and and it's just the different. I mean, even even with the the trailer for for Covenant, you, you definitely get that sense. It, it this isn't new territory in that regard, uh, but it's just who the who the cast members are, and and whether or not you're you're actually. Um, Emotionally attached to them as the series, as the story continues, um, or you hope, you know, that, that one gets their comeuppance, you know, so it, it all, it all works. It's, it, it's perfect for, for this type of story and it's basically built in. The, 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 those are definite 
beats that have to be hit and, and they're expected and they're not, you don't roll your eyes going, oh, okay, well, here we go again. It's just that you don't read it. You don't read or see an alien story unless you expect that. So don't, it, I'm not, it, it, it's not a bad thing in this regard. It's, it's not like, oh, it's the usual. It's, it's perfect for this. And, and the story, I'm digging the story. The art is absolutely stunning. Um, yeah. And, and, and you get, you get a sense of, of just, he tells you just enough that there's enough of a conversation and everybody's attitude comes across where you, you, everybody's unique. So, so you know right. that, uh, it's just, even if, whether it's the way someone's speaking or the way they carry themselves or their attitude or, or the furrowed brow is just, you know, they're, no one's really interchangeable. So, uh, a definite, Plus in that regard too, but there's, there's no absence of detail at all. There, I mean, even, even when you're just in space, there's, there's the, the speckles of some stars, but you know, even if he didn't have to draw every single line and wire on the side of a ship, he's doing it anyway. And, and it's, uh, he obviously loves it. Absolutely. And it's, it's the love of the, of the subject matter, I think of, of the property definitely comes across. And, and, you know, you, every, some things may be new to these characters, but they're not new to anybody who has seen or read a, a previous alien story. So you kind of, again, that's something else that's just built in where you're like, Oh crap. Once they find out. And, and, but mm, I yeah, mean, obviously exactly. he, he knows something's up because he's, it's like, he thinks he sees something in, in, in the break in the wall, which again, like Jason pointed out, it, it's just, it's not quite what you think or what he thinks. And, uh, the last page though, because of the Dark Horse preview, it's like you get to the last page. It's like, and that's it. There's no, there's no, you know, cover for the next issue. There's no, uh, you know, what, what to expect. It's just boom. And you're like, motherfuck. So I, uh, it's, I'm hooked. I cannot wait to get to the next issue. This is, uh, if, if you've, if you haven't read any, if you haven't been reading the Prometheus, the Fire and Stone stuff, if, if, uh, if you've taken a break, from aliens, then this is, this is a great issue to, uh, to bring you back. It, it's, uh, there really isn't anything I can't complain about with this issue. I mean, even, even, cause even if the, the passengers, the, the, the castmates in the, in the cryo tubes, it, it's almost like they weren't needed because of the, mm-hmm. of the crew we've already met. But right. knowing they're now going to be brought on to the other ship and, and Lord knows that's, that's always a good idea. It, it's just there, there's just, so he's adding to it. And every, every time you think I'm going to turn this page and story's just going to go on the way I think it's going to go on. It, it isn't. It, it's the first issue. It's 20 odd pages and, and it is, it is dense. You get your money's worth with this issue. Yeah. And you know, if you've seen the movies and haven't read the comics, it, 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 you're not at a loss with this. Mm-hmm. Everything is explained to you. There's no, there's not a whole lot of, uh, previous information you need to know other than what you've seen on the screen, you know? So, I mean, this, this is a great gateway into the aliens, uh, universe at Dark Horse. Dap, you, you mentioned a bunch of times, uh, Fire and Stone. Do you know that they're still continuing that story? 
Yes, I told you. It's called Life and yeah. Death. Yeah. Yeah. I got the Predator it's one. It's like up to like issue 16 or part 16. Of, it's it's almost, I think the, the, the end book is on its way or has already come out. But yeah, it's, it's, um, and it tells you in the beginning of it, inside cover, the first page that, you know, where, where it fits in with the, uh, the previous collection. But yeah, they, um, it's like a year later, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's, um, it's this, and even, I love the way Stoko kind of, um, almost as if it was a film because the, that one panel where, that one page where you see him at the top of the page, but then it kind of, um, breaks down into the, into the fuel depot station. And it's just, right. it, it, little things like that. It's just, it, it's as if it was, as if it was a storyboard. It was, it was going to be made into a movie. It's just the, the, the way the scenes cut absolutely work. And since you, since Firestone was mentioned a bunch of times and Mooney Ham, Chris Mooney Ham was an artist on one of those chapters. He actually, um, just a quick segue because if, if we can, Pimp this dude, I might as well. He, uh, he drew the latest issue of Star Trek Boldly Go. And to see Mooneyham draw Star Trek is, is, is pretty funky. But definitely check out, um, Aldo, Aliens Dead Orbit. If, uh, if you weren't sure about it, trust us. Why wouldn't you be sure about it? I'm saying right. if. No, I'm just saying, yeah, if. I know. You gotta be sure about this. Cause it's a, it's a, it is. It's a home. It's run. the same. <laughs> Unless you're a Mark ass Buster, it's a home run. Okay. Vince <laughs> oh. is fascinating. You know, I am. I am. I am fascinating. Right. We could. We could talk about like a comic involving I don't know, uh, like someone that's turned inside out, and then someone else like hate fucks the person's intestines, <laughs> and he'll he'll speak gleefully on it, but like. If I burp or make like a like a certain witticism that he considers a little <laughs> off putting, he just clamps up like a like a nun like a nun on Sunday. Like he's like mortified by it. It's so funny. Oh, I, I'm a Japanese newspaper so teacher. Calling you a soft head. Yeah, yeah. He right. He used soft head like, as if it's like just common vernacular. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm a Japanese newspaper to you, man, because you do not know how to read me. Wow, you don't. Uh. That's the that's the meanest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> it's, true. it's not. Let's do more stuff. Jason, <laughs> Jason, speak. Tell me. Um, okay, so I um, well, I'm trying to do the stuff that we collab on because I read a bunch of stuff that I don't think y'all read. Well, I um, know we, um, I know Jason and I read Deadly Class number twenty-seven. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was going to bring up. You oh, can you can God. talk about it. I have not read it. Oh lord! I have it right this here, book though. Is so good. It's it's an origin issue. I'll just tell you that, Vince. No, yeah. talk about it. Talk about it's it. It's an origin of Saya. Nice. Yeah. So recall the two issues ago, right? Twenty five, right? Yeah. Is when we twenty five. Spoilers! Spoilers to anyone not caught up on uh, on on the book. Um, we were Saya was stabbed by. Um, one of the freshmen, um, and you know, seemingly left her dead. Although she's not dead, but but and then twenty six, we got the we got the like the the escape. Um, we like we didn't really deal with her, right? We had we had the return of of our man, which we already talked about. So twenty seven, we're back with Saya. She is um, 
she's in bed recuperating from her stab wounds with uh, with her mom at her side. <laughs> and See? What? We thought so. What do you mean? You That's think her mom. It's, you think it's her mom. It is her mom. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is, too. I'm, I'm not sure. And I'll tell it's you why when you're done. Uh, okay. It's her mom blaming her for her dad's death. Yeah, but see, I don't... Uh, yes, it, okay, it can be taken that way, but I was also thinking that she's this woman is blaming Saya for the death of her husband, Mr. Ito, when Saya walked in the house. Mm, I guess it could be that. I didn't take it that way, though. Okay, that's fine. But either way, all right, well, but she is recuperating. Barely. Um, and during her her convalescence is this woman who I guess I think is her mom and dad thinks might be the um, friend's mom, the, the wife of, of, of the other uh, Yakuza leader. Um, it flashes back to when Saya was young. And it's hard to know because the way West draws her in this book, how old Saya is in the flashback. But she's like a preteen, maybe early teen, like prepubescent, certainly like not, or just just. Just very like a, like still like little girl is my point not like you know not not womanly in any way, and um, basically her father and another gentleman by the name of, of Ito are the uh, co heads of the yakuza, and um, they're talking about how the yakuza are um, you know have evolved and are all powerful but really are much in the vein of the classic Italian mob in their minds, a source for good and that they keep their community clean. They give a, a venue for the darker pleasures of people, but they keep it separate from the average, you know, average community. So they don't have to be exposed to it, that sort of thing. Um, you know, which is all well and good. And Saya wants to be a part of it, but because in Japanese culture, there really just is no role for her to be a true part of it. And, uh, and she, she agitates to, you know, to break that mold, uh, if you will. And, um, and her brother, who we were introduced to a few issues ago, uh, when they're adults, um, is, you know, is the older brother and he's the more classic in line to be the head of the Yakuza, along with Mr. Ito's son. Um, although the brother, uh, her brother wants to dabble in things like drugs and prostitution, um, you know, human trafficking, uh, because he thinks that's where the profits are and the, the two fathers are not hearing that because they're, they're kind of classic old school. They don't believe in, They'll do lots of things. They'll, you know, they'll do, they'll do gambling. They'll do, you know, they'll do racketeering, but they, they don't want to do drugs or prostitution. And, um, um, and sort of, so there's like a generational thing that goes on. Um, and basically they're all at a club one night and somehow Saya in her teenage, I don't know how she gets in, but she gets into the club and, um, she basically talks a big game and embarrasses her brother and shows off that she's got more balls than he does. Um, and there's talk about how the the son of Ito would love it if if his father was gone because he could take over. And then you flash forward to um, they're back at at, at Saya's parents' house where Ito was there too, and he's been he's been killed. And uh, her mom walks in, and uh, Saya is standing there in the pool of blood holding a sword, so they think she did it, um, and she didn't do it. And we we kind of know instantly she didn't do it, but you know, lo and behold, the the, the Ito's son, uh, son is is demanding retribution, and her dad has to commit seppuku to to save face. So now you know she's essentially responsible, or at least they view her as responsible for her father's death. 
Um, and that leads to her presumably getting outcast and sent off to the school where we meet her. Now, now we should have said she was agitating to be in the school all along, but her father, because her father went there, but her father didn't want her to be involved in that side of the business. So, you know, clearly, clearly she's had some longstanding issues with her brother, who is now the head of, of their side of the Yakuza. And, uh, she's going to have to, to deal with the repercussions of, being viewed as the betrayer of their family and the ending of this, this unity between these two families. Um, and I guess to David's point, we have a bit of a controversy because I took the woman at her bedside to be her mother saying like, listen, you know, you still have to make amends for, you know, costing me uh, my husband. And I guess that thinks it might be the woman. It might but be it, it's his wife. So no, and I'm, I'm when she's leaving, when, when family, when mom finds her with the bloody sword, um, um, that's really the only time we see her in the flashback. In the present day, it's mm-hmm. it's at the beginning and the end of the issue. But I'm looking at the hairstyle and and the shape of the face, and it 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 very well could be her mom. I I, I could I I just could have been putting my own spin on it as as I'm reading her words. But it it very well because it also makes sense too. Because you know why would you? She's she does say we can be a family once again because it's yeah. her and her brother and, and yeah. her mom. Whereas if it was Ito's wife, right? You know, I don't know. We don't know what's up with Ito's son. So it's um, except that you know, Sai just told them all to go fuck themselves as, as <laughs> she was leaving. So um, I'll uh, I definitely I have no problem saying that uh, that it's Sai's mom and and she is very um, I guess. I guess vindictive would be a word. It, it's, you know, I mean, it's, yes, I did kind of, uh, it's, there's more, there's more to her than, than just this, this, this cold, um, cold appearing badass that, that she was early on in the series. And, right. and with this backstory, um, Remender has, has given us a, 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 an extra layer to, to really, uh, make you appreciate her and, and you kind of, um, yeah, you just, you get, she wasn't, she wasn't brought up in it. She wasn't abused. She wasn't brought up in, you know, aside from, she, she wasn't physically or emotionally abused except for the fact that what, it, what she wanted, what she wanted to do in her life for her family, she couldn't do just because of the social norm. So, um, mm-hmm. there's, you, you kind of feel for her in that regard, but, uh, she was never, um, really, brought up to be this 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 evil cold person and um it, but it, it's it west craig is like there, there's some panels where it looks like he's straight up channeling um that that early frank miller daredevil art style uh it, it, it's it, and again you know boyd's colors seriously do do, do wonders yes. over craig but it is um yeah it, this this the, the, and even when I was going through the um, the earlier issues leading up to this, because um, when uh, it, this part did bug me a little bit, because Monster John Cardinal in the um, in the Facebook group page, he read the issue and he had a bit of a problem because he's always imagined uh, Saya as having only lost the pinky finger. Um, Oh, right. And, uh, but, but it looks like she, she did cut the pinky finger and, and most of her ring finger. Um, 
but there was some slight confusion because it looked like uh Monster thought that some of the images he thought some of the panels he thought where Saya appeared with a full set of fingers on both hands was actually Petra. So that that didn't mm-hmm. help. But um but yeah, there are some images where it looks like either she's just, you know, bending her ring finger or it's actually, you know, missing from from the um right. second look. So um but it, it's just the way the, the way Craig decides to to just focus and draw some faces compared to others, uh, it's just it's it's insane. And and I've seen his original art, and and it's it's bold and and it's 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 stark with the black and white, and it looks amazing. But I I've said it before, and I don't know if I I no I, I do know I do not believe this book would be as strong if it was a straight up black and white story. No, Boy I agree. just does I agree. some amazing work here, yeah, whether it's sure. even with just Sia's tattoos or just the backgrounds or, or the scenes in the club or just the movement with the, it's, it really is the three of them just, just make one hell of an amazing book. Yeah. And, and this issue is, um, I, I don't know if we're going to go on again, off again. I don't know if, if we're going to alternate and, and, have an issue with Saya and then an issue with. Um, I think we will until they come back together, which we know is coming, right? Well, no, we yes, it's just looking at the next issue's cover. Um, it looks like um, Marcus and Maria are on a are, are on a beach in in uh, in beach chairs, and um, so maybe we're going to alternate between Marcus for an issue and then Saya and back and forth until, like you said, until. Um, Everybody gets together, but we also have to find out what the hell's going back on at the school, since um, the uh, the the rockabilly is the one who sold her out. Um, you know, I it's just there's there's more going on than, than just what we're seeing. And, but each issue is so so good, and just and and continues to to move the story forward. And and uh, it it really is deadly classes. Definitely a series where you um, you're anxious for the next issue. There's some some stories you some series you'll read, and you're like, okay, you know that I catch my breath. I can, you know, I can wait for the next issue to come out. And then there's some books like this one where you know you need to see where we're going right away. For sure, and I mean, look, I've said it a million times. I'll keep saying it. Wes Craig is way too under the radar. For I mean, the dude is. You know, his, his, his line, like his, any individual image he may draw, you know, to some may not, you know, it may not have the detail of say, you know, um, you know, some, some other people that are, that are, you know, perhaps known for their figure work, like a, you know, I don't know, like a, like a Dave Stevens or Adam Hughes or something, but like, but when it comes to storytelling, to panel layout, to, to, you know, to, to capturing, you know, a scene and knowing exactly how to lay out that scene in the most emphatic way. I, I don't think there are many, if any, better than him right now. I, re- I really think he is, if you know, in, tr- in the definition of a cartoonist, a sequential storyteller, he is impeccable. Uh, he really is impeccable to me. I think he is, uh, he, he's just such a brilliant storyteller. Um, he just uses the, I mean, he uses just enough lines to convey the story in an effective way. Um, he doesn't over-render. You know, you're not going to see tons of cross hatching. You're not going to see, 
Uh, he, he puts the lines on that he needs. And that's not to say that he just is a simplistic uh, guy. I mean, when he needs to, he, there's a tremendous amount of detail. For example, you know, Dap mentioned the tattoos. There's a point where Saya, as a young teenage girl, has proven her worth. And so she goes through the process of getting, um, you know, the full back tattoo, which is akin to the Yakuza, uh, you know, sort of coming of, of, of age. And, uh, you know, they marvel at the fact that she doesn't flinch once while she's getting it. And they draw that and they show her, you know, completely, you know, laid out with this incredibly, in, in, you know, intricate, um, you know, tattoo artwork, which he draws. And so he's capable of very fine, fine point, delicate illustration, but he only does it when it's necessary. And I think, uh, I don't know, it's like, um, he, he's just one of those guys that knows, you know, Somnies of this camp too. I mean, they have different styles, but I just mean like, He's one of those people, you know, Gabe Gabriel's like this too, Hartman, who you just, they know when not to put something on the page. You know, they know, they know that, that sometimes it's, it's better not to put that line down because you don't need it. And, uh, I, I, it's, it's something I think doesn't get appreciated as broadly as it should. Here, here. I agree with that. Agreed. So Vince, regale us. Oh boy. Okay. Back to the, uh, Jay Disbrow's monster invasion. This is this is a cool volume because it includes a very rare occurrence of a pre-code horror story, which are usually done in one and then forgotten and move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. But in this volume, you get a pre-code horror story that has been given a sequel. That's nuts. Uh, Blue Bolt Weird Tales of Terror number 113 in May 1952 included The Ghoul of the North. Written and illustrated by Disbrow. Um, it's a, it's a neat story. You got a dumbass reporter named Larry Davis and he's given this crazy lead. Somebody has seen a monster. Go check this out. So Larry goes to visit the eyewitness in the hospital and the dude claims to have visited a remote section of Alaska, which could pretty much be anywhere in Alaska, but, um, it was host to an Indian burial ground. Shades of Poltergeist, right? There's an Indian burial ground there, and um, while this dude was there, he was attacked by a creature whose facial features transformed from a wolf to a bat to a yeti. Um, not only his facial features, like the, the body sometimes transforms. Like when he, when he takes the bat head, he gets bat wings. Um, and this guy barely managed to escape with his life. He's out of there. Boom. Larry takes the bait, and he ignores... All warnings by people much smarter and more experienced than him, than he, and he is killed for his stupidity. So Larry's dead. Two issues later, in uh, Blue Bolt, Weird Tales of Terror number 115, it's called The Return of the Ghoul. A famous American explorer, dude by the name of Jeff Chartres, uh, he reads in the newspaper uh, the strange tale of Larry Davis, and he's like, wow. I got to go check this out. So he gets a dog and an Indian guide. His name's Punda. Uh, they go up to Alaska. And what do you know? He, he runs right into the creature. And the, the monster's same as in the first story. He's yelling and about trespassing on this Indian burial ground. It's forbidden. Um, and he, he, he keeps talking about these, these, um, mysteries. The great and secret mysteries, and, and Jeff doesn't know what's going on. Punda dies. Jeff and the dog lives because they double team the monster. 
Jeff is stabbing and stabbing and stabbing. The dog's biting the monster. Um, but knowing Craig Yo, if there was ever a sequel to the sequel, he would have put it in this book. We never find out what the unanswered mysteries were. The monster just keeps going on about them, but you, ne- you never, it's, it's never said. Um, but the, the real showcase here is Disbrow's art. Like this creature's amazing and it stands out so much because I'm not going to say he's a mundane illustrator, but he doesn't really mm-hmm. have a whole lot of stylistic, um, ammunition in, in his, in his gun. You know, he, he draws backgrounds and, 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 and human beings and clothing and, you know, automobiles. Like he, he, he's a very, um, adept illustrator, let's say, but not very exciting to look at. It's the monsters. He, he just seems to like, those are the reason for these stories to exist. So he lavished all the detail and all the creativity and all his ingenuity into the monsters. Like when you see this thing, this ghoul, it's, it's awesome. It's just, um, one minute it's a wolf headed gigantic creature tromping around. Next minute it's a bat. Um, and, and then it goes into this, this scaly looking yeti fuzzy thing. And it's just, it's a visual feast, but you could tell that he just did it because he wanted to draw it. Like he wrote the story uh-huh. based on the premise of I'm going to draw different creatures in every panel here. Mm-hmm. It, but it works. It's fun. Uh, th- that's that's the the uh, the best thing I can say about this. They're 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 great because they're so much fun. There's and there's nothing you need to know. You can jump into these stories and they're done in four or eight pages or six pages, and you get the entire experience. You don't have tons of character history to drag along. Um, you're introduced to the person. You, you, he hits you with the premise. He hits you with the the uh the problem and then it's sometimes or not solved at the end of the story these are some of my favorite uh, like jason jason loves anthologies i love horror anthologies no doubt because you get that little uh the little twist at the end oh no it was it was this creature from this galaxy that's trying to pave way for an alien invasion you know it just doesn't it doesn't make all that much sense but mm-hmm. it, who cares it's you got to suspend the disbelief and have some fun. I have Absolutely. more, but we'll get there. Go ahead. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Bring it, Dap. What do you got? Oh man, um, how, how about some Spider Gwen? We can, uh, yeah, because I, I was saving it for a guest. I do know that. Um, well, are we not? <laughs> going to talk about no we're not um you know what yeah you're right we've been putting what? seven to eternity off for like ever that's oh, yes. not where i was going but we could do that oh you weren't going there no he was i think going about black cloud right no um something that we weren't going to talk about which is probably committee challenge number three um I'll but talk, by all means i'll, I'll talk about it real quick okay yeah because I, I have it committee open. challenge number three yeah, I have it right here in front of me. Um, oh, Commandy Challenge. Yeah, third issue of Commandy Challenge is out. Uh, Jimmy Pamiotti wrote it. Amanda Connor drew it. Paul Mounts colored it. I'm getting the team. It's it's a fantastic team, and the issue is um, beautiful, gorgeous. Um, 
but I got to be real. This series has been a, a, a devastating letdown so far. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, when you have a team like Palmiotti and Connor and Paul Mounts, you expect a certain level of um, craft, and you get it here. But uh-huh. and, and I'm not going to say this is not commandy because it obviously is commandy. Says it on the cover. Uh, the creators went into it thinking they were going to do commandy, but this does not feel like commandy to me. And, nope. and 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 I know the 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 object was to regale Jack and his accomplishments and his creativity, and not fall in line and just perpetuate what he's done. It's it's this is a, an artistic commentary on what Jack gave to them in their mm-hmm. and this is in their own words. So, right, so to speak, and and that's what this is, but. I'm just not feeling it. I, I, I don't think this issue is – I mean it, it was it was enjoyable in a sense that it's it's gorgeous. I mean it, it, and, and Amanda Connor needs no introduction. Mm-hmm. We all know what the woman is capable of and it, it, it's very nice to look at but I'm just not feeling the commandy. Would you – well, this is going to be tough for you because of your particular love affair with commandy but um, – this is reminding me a bit of uh, the Rocketeer Adventures that we had a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. Remember when, when all the creators jumped in to, to do the Rocketeer anthology right. series? Right. Do you remember that? I do yes. remember that. You're quiet like you don't remember it. Okay. No, I, I said I remember it. Okay. Um, and I thought that was very good as well, like like objectively. I mean, there were some good moments and some brilliant creators involved, but it just wasn't Dave Stevens' Rocketeer. Right. It almost right. felt like they were better just left alone. And of course, I do think almost everyone involved in that did it out of a place of love and respect for him. Like they, sure. they were trying to honor him. And I think that's true here. I mean, I think every creator that's involved with this is a uh, unapologetic fan of Kirby and in particular Commandy. So I, I, I think it's coming from like a really good place. But yeah, it just hasn't quite connected yet. Now that said, I, I, I haven't yet read the third issue. So my, my reaction is more from the first two, but, but, uh, it doesn't sound like even though it's a creators we love that the third issue really changes that just not quite feeling right. Like it's just like, it's like a pair of jeans that like looks good on the rack, but doesn't quite <laughs> fit right. Yeah. The, the last page is, is pretty spiffy. I was bummed that, um, we don't have the way out from the previous writer. Um, and, uh, I don't know if it really would have made it. It wouldn't have made a difference as far as my feelings for, for the series. It's it almost um, it, it's it feels forced to me. It's just that they're they're, they're trying too hard, and um, I don't. I, it, it just it it wasn't a. It hasn't been a good mix. Um, it's I, I don't want to say it's the character. I don't know how many people have. A um, an, an attachment to Commandy. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. some people today who are reading it um, may feel uh, like a sense of obligation, or well, hey, you know, Jack Kirby. This is one of his characters, and and you know, and I know people who swear about Commandy and 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 swear for me. So this should be something that that, that I'll dig. But um, I mean, it could have been Atari Force. 
challenge. And, and I <laughs> don't know if it would have been, it's just that there are certain things where I'm, I, I, I read each issue and I'm like, all right, so this is going to be, you know, the, the creative team should be a lock and, and, it, but it's, it, it just, it was limping out the gate and it hasn't, it hasn't gotten any better. It, this mm-hmm. is, this is probably, from start to finish, the best looking issue is the first issue was the, yeah, no doubt. had the two stories, had the two stories in it. The second issue was the Neil Adams, um, regurgitation. So there's just the, the, um, there's just a lot visually to like in the third issue. It's just, um, continuing a story that shouldn't still be continuing. Right, right. And Amanda plays to her strengths. In this issue, uh, she and Jimmy probably talked about this a lot before he even wrote the damn thing. But um, there's a, a female plant creature in here called Vila. Yeah. And she's very sexy in the Amanda Connor vein. So yeah. nice to look at. And Vila's not a Kirby creation. Um, there's, there's a group of people called the God Watchers on an island that did appear in Commandy. In, in, in a somewhat uh, different form in issue 60, again, not a Kirby creation. By then, Jack was off the book. So, uh, I mean, the, the earmarks of Commandy are here, the bat creatures and the jaguar creatures and the, you know, the, all sorts of different animals speaking and dressing in, in, in human garb. And, but there's like cannibalism involved mm-hmm. in some parts and, and, and Commandy, um, cuts himself at one part it's uh, I, it's just disappointing and i don't know if i'm just i'm i'm over it's me being too overzealous wanting everything in a bag of chips with this thing well, no, yeah i mean right, right. Would, well it doesn't matter who was going to do it you were going to you you had it on enough of a pedestal where almost anything was going to be yeah. somewhat of a letdown it wouldn't have met your expectations whereas with jason and i who appreciate the character and and jack's creations and, and what he's given <laughs> to the art form uh, we don't have the love for the character that you do so i think jason and i can look at it a little bit more objectively right and this is not an uh, an instance of say um a, a a current band covering um a well-known very popular you know beloved song this is not um you know say i don't know mastodon covering the beatles where where they take something that 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 exists and is widely regarded as a classic and just put their little spin on it this is a new interpretation of what Jack brought to the table. So I don't expect sure. a cover version of Commandy. That's not what I want. I just want it to be exciting and good and, 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 um, powerful and dynamic and everything that Commandy was, but mm-hmm. in, in their own language. And that's, that's not even what this is. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's I'm, hard for you. It, 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 <laughs> But it's not. No, I mean, I mean more than I mean. I, I mean, we're not disagreeing with that. Like it doesn't hit me either. But I think it was going to be harder for it to hit for you, right? If it didn't say Commandy on the cover, and these were different characters with a young boy yeah. in the title role, I, I I still wouldn't think this was. I don't know. Worth keep worth keep buying, and I keep mm-hmm. ordering these damn things. Well, it's like what's what's. What's the bright spot? It's all going through 12 issues. I, it's like, it's just, I, 
you because it, it's not for me the way I look at it is I'm going to read the next issue because the creative team or you know well let's see him get out of this predicament but it's it, it's going to come to a point I think before we get to the twelfth or tenth or even eighth issue where I'm like I just I I need to I need to cut my losses right and ask yourself the question. Yeah. Is this worth five bucks? Right. Watch mm-hmm. it. Five dollars. I mean, it, it it will go down to I think three ninety nine. They've leveled it off in in accord with the other once monthlies being priced at three ninety nine. So okay, that, that's one thing. That's a bright spot, I guess. But I've said it before. I'm telling you, the one that's going to hit the mark is Tom King and Kevin Eastman. I'm I'm done saying it. Mm-hmm. But that's the one. Which that, issue is that? I don't know. It's later in the in the. It's either ten or eleven, I think. And even if you miss an issue, I mean, are you really going to feel lost if I don't pick this up until like issue six? Again? Oh no, because it's it's just willy nilly. It goes all over right. the place. You yeah. Know? So, it, it this may be one where I don't know if you're really buying it, or after the third from here on out, are, are you really buying it for the story, or is it because that creative team is 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 on your wish list? And I, th- I think they're at a very. Uh, obvious disadvantage because we don't have enough time in one issue to actually give a hoot about any of these new characters. Right, right. And you and you kind of have to hope that, that the writer and the artist is familiar enough with the material where by the time it, it should be consistent from the beginning of the, to the end of the issue and, and I, don't, I don't want them to learn these characters as they're going and and when right. you get to page 15 he looks different than he did on page 2 yeah props um, to uh, Palmiotti and Connor for throwing new characters into this but I think that's a sucker bet because I, I would use Ben Boxer or, or somebody or Pyra unless somebody, somebody were from, dibs on him right well or somebody we're familiar with from the Commandy series that way you don't have to introduce them briefly you don't have to do a whole lot of you know catch up because we know who these characters are if you've read the series um you know stick with the safe bet don't be throwing new characters in here because we don't get enough time to care about them like i don't this vila i don't i don't care about her at all i've only just met her and then she goes and and, and she's a plant person so i mean if if she gets eaten if 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 some giant tiger shows up and 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 eats her are you really going to be you you feel any loss yeah I gotta say though, Amanda, that one panel where they, Commandy bites her arm and like rips her flesh and they fall out of the back and boom, that bottom panel where he's like, are you okay? That is a sexy ass drawing. But it's almost redundant to even say that when, when you're talking to Amanda Connor. But whatever. Yeah, let down. Sorry. So, since we weren't gonna talk about that too long, um, (laughs) should we go right into Seven to Eternity before Vince gives us the next yeah, chapter. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Do it. Take it away. This is Jason's and David's. Uh, I love the no, book. you love this too. I yes, do too, yes, but I've been talking been, too long. Champing at the bit for this for a while. All right, we're going to talk about it. All right, it's in my travels. All right, we're going to talk about it. It's like, dude, just put up a shut up. All right. Well, this is, uh, this, is the, the, this is the masterpiece of Rick Remender and Jerome Pena. Really? Um, Hold up. I'm sorry. I don't mean – it's for, – for, for Vince to say, no, this is your baby, when this mofo – Gets on Slack and almost throws a fit because Opeña is a drawn issue. Right, I, I know. It's like, right. <laughs> let's 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 pump the brakes a bit, buddy. But you it's know what? Like fucking James Heron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you know how much I love James Heron. 
Yeah. I, I think he's just uh, he's exquisite. He's just amazing illustrator. But he's and he's going to be doing some fill-in issues while two, uh, two, two okay while Opeña takes a much needed break. But still, like I equate this book with Opeña. You put somebody else on the, in the driver's seat, it just feels wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So go ahead, Jason. Tell us. You read yes, you, well. It's, it's freshest the, in your mind of the of two upcoming issues. This is the masterpiece uh, by Rick Remender and Jerome Pena, um, involving, as we talked about uh, many times, uh, a a story where um, uh, we found out last issue why the book is called Seven to Eternity because there are seven uh, Mozak, uh, well, and. Uh, and and the protagonist who are on a journey to take the Mud King, who is the villain of the book, to a place where they can essentially uh, remove him from the equation uh, without uh, the the very nasty byproduct of killing the thousands upon thousands of people that he's psychically connected to through his whisper powers. Um, and uh, it's a tough situation because it's in in essence in that way it's like a classic western, right? Which is like they have to co across these lands where uh, there's tons of people gunning for them because they are loyal to the Mud King and they want to free him. There are plenty of other dangers on on top of that. They don't really know or trust each other, per se, um, nor do we really know yet if they should know and trust each other. Um, and one one misstep, and, uh, and everything could very easily get torn asunder. Um, so in this issue, they're really starting their journey, and... Uh, they, uh, the, the Mozak, uh, do not, well, it's not universal, but, but many of them don't, don't trust, um, our protagonist, um, because, you know, he's dying of, of, of cancer. Um, well, is it cancer or is it, it is cancer, right? Or is it just a disease? I guess I like he's dying. It's cancer. Yeah. It's like, it's, I guess it's, I, I guess I, my mind went to cancer, but since this is a, a fantasy world, it may not in fact be that, but he's dying and, and the Mud King did whisper to him that, if he was willing to betray the Mozak and and and, uh, and come over to his side, he would cure him. And he's contemplated it because in in being cured, he feels like he could then be there for his family and protect them against what comes. Sort of circular logic, right? Because he'd be protecting them from the thing that basically he'd be betraying everyone to keep alive. But but such is the the way of of, uh, of illogical thinking when one is facing your own mortality. Um, and uh, you know, in this in this one, they. They basically are, are on their path. Uh, they had set a bait and switch so that uh, the Mud King's son and right-hand man would be led astray and be chasing a decoy. Um, and uh, it's clear that um, uh, you can tell there's going to be a lot of, of things that, that go amiss. Uh, at this point in the series, the Mud King has been trapped in the, um, the trailer that they're using to tow him without any food or water for nearly a week. And uh, because they don't want him to die, because, again, if he dies, then the thousands of people he's connected to will die, they decide they have to open up the trailer and they have to try and feed him. So they, they open the trailer up and they uh, they feed him entrails, basically the offal of what's left of what they had killed for themselves, and he gobbles it up like it's fucking uh, five guys. No issues there. <laughs> um, uh, it's like Dap on a Friday night. Seriously. And... Uh, 
And, uh, you know, look, I mean, you just, you know that that shit's going to go astray. Um, you, you, it's, there's no way it's going to, it's going to be a, a, a clean path. I assume in any good Western, we'll see a number of these characters die bad deaths in the name of, uh, of, of the journey. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it because not only is it beautiful and, and so well designed every facet of it, but, but I truly don't know what to make of these characters who, who is going to be loyal, who's not, um, how many twists and turns we're going to have to deal with. So, um, I'm just a thousand percent hooked in all facets of this, uh, which is no surprise. Cause as you know, uh, Remender is a, a do no wrong guy for me. So, yep. So speak on it. What do y'all think? Um, I'm torn. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not torn about the series. I'm, I, I'm, um, sometimes very black and white. Right. And there's a part of me that thinks Zeb, um, Ocetus, who was a man of principle and he would not bed to the Mud King. Right. Um, which caused his family a boatload of hardship. Um, one of his children died because yes. Zeb would not kneel to the Mud King. I find that both despicable. I think Zeb is the real villain of the book. In the first four issues, I, I, I find Zeb despicable that he would cause his family harm just based on something as ephemeral as principles what are principles principles aren't worth shit the principles are only worth something to the person that says that they have them right you you don't gain anything from your principles you don't lose anything it's just a a notion in your mind that yes i've acted in accord with what i believe big friggin deal Mm -hmm. okay but this is where i'm torn the the second you give in to the mud king you get the whisper, and then you're doomed. So he was wrong in a sense where not um, laying it all out for the Mud King harmed his family, but he was right in a sense that once he did that, the Mud King would have ravaged his family anyway. So damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. But it, and that's the brilliance of Remender. It's the whisper that makes this a multi-layered book. Once he plants that seed, once you hear his offer, you are you're done. Yeah, and, and to your point, the the I don't quite have all the names memorized yet, but one of the Mozak makes that point, right? Which is mm-hmm. like he heard a whisper, so that's why he doesn't trust him. He's like, because once you hear it, like, you and know. and you you get the feeling that when they ask Adam if he had heard the um, Garlis's offer. He says, no, I, I am convinced that if he said yes, they would have killed him right on the spot because they don't they, yeah. they don't want any of that because that makes you – then you're a weak link. The, the, the mud king can control you and they don't need that. They're, they're on a suicide mission to begin with. Uh, but to see, that's, the, that's the, 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 the hook of the book to me is I want to hate Zeb for not doing it but – on the flip side, he kind of had to not listen to the Mud King, which caused his family like irreparable damage. The, the so, so let's let's speculate. Um, do you think at some point in the series, Zeb uh, gives in to the to the offer? You mean Adam? 
I'm sorry, Adam. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, whew, I don't know because he was he heard an offer, but it wasn't the one he was expecting. Right, but we know from this issue that he is thinking about it. Like he, he is playing it around in his head. Right, he's definitely thinking about it. Yeah, because if someone gives you the option, hey, you know, you're dying, I can make that go away. If you just, you know, hear me out, I think that's a very tempting. Um, it's a very tempting offer, and I don't know many people. I don't think there's many people who would not take the offer. Regardless of the consequences, if someone, if if you were a terminal patient, someone says to you, "I can solve every one of your problems with a, f- a snap of my finger," would you not take that? Even if it, like, even if the cost. Let, let was- me ask you a question. Let's keep it real. You're a cancer survivor. Okay. If this was ten years ago, twenty. Well, I'm saying, all right. I was trying to make the analogy of the Trump thing, but oh, if this was when you, if this was when you were dealing with cancer, yes. And knock on wood, and, and much love to all of us, that it wasn't a terminal kind. But if it was terminal, or yeah. they thought it was, and they said to you, uh, we can cure you, but it means Donald Trump's going to have to be president, what would you have done? I'd take it. Okay. Because you could deal with that. If they said, um, we'll cure you, but you're, at that time, your your only child... We're gonna, you know, shove her in a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Then, then no, I wouldn't. No, I right. would. Ne- I would never want harm to come to to my children just to save my life. Who cares? Right, right, right. You know. But yeah, you could deal with Donald Trump being president. That's there's a very simple solution. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, but that again, like that's the thing with Remender. He 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 goes. The distance, and then he goes ten miles more, and that's what makes his book so amazingly engrossing. Is that I, I just can't make a decision because there 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 are outliers in 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 each instance of of pro and con that that you have to consider, and it's 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 just so well thought out, and it's just right. Yeah, and the 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 Mossack are amazing. But you didn't say, but they should rename the book. You know, for to eternity, <laughs> because yeah, no, there are. I mean, yes, it's. I'm wondering true, if true. the title's going to change as the series continues, and we just end up with you know one to eternity. But <laughs> um, there are. Uh, I it's there's, and and now Vince can use Remender Rama in the show notes. There are um, <laughs> the the my man my man loses an eye in this issue. Um. It's it. You know, if, if you were just to elevator pitches, if this was going to be the one sentence solicit in Amazing Heroes, you know, it'd be like Mozak sit around and and talk about shit. It's like it. You you'd think that okay, well, it's we get to slow down and you know we had the first three issues was was getting everything so that you know they could go after and capture the Mud King and and you know so we need. We need a breather, but it really, it really isn't. It, it, there's, it's, if anything, this, there's a lot happening in this issue and, and it's, um, it's, again, it's one of those things, Remender's just really, I don't know if I should say Remender's really lucky with working with some really talented people or, or Remender just has really talented people who are dying to work with him and yeah. it's, it's, it's a, um, 
it, it's such a beautiful marriage. It, 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 the book is, is gorgeous. And again, we've seen Opania's line work. We, we, we've seen his, his pre-colored, um, work and, and Hollingsworth is, is doing some beautiful things here. And this is different than what Boyd does on, on Craig with Deadly Class where it does, the colors aren't necessarily muted, but, but there's, there's not a lot of, um, creations and, and, in the colors between uh characters or clothing or backgrounds but there are there are textures on top of textures and and, and just i mean they're they're playing cards on on a um you know a top of wooden crate and and it's just it, the it it feels alive and and the characters just look absolutely amazing um opinion that in the four issues he, he's definitely left his mark on this book and, and in this world, he's co-creator, but I am, I'm, I'm interested to see what Aaron's going to do when, when he gets his turn at, um, that drawing his couple of issues, but this, oh, this, he'll, he'll kill it. He absolutely will kill it. It's yeah. going to look different. And, and I absolutely love that. Um, but there are, it's, it's weird. I, I read it. Seven to I'll, I'll read it. And I kind of have to reread it because there, for me anyway, there's, there's a lot to unpack. And I, I feel like I, I'm going to have to reread the first four issues because I feel like I've, I've missed things from one issue to the next. And it's, it's not because it, it, it was sloppy. It was just, I, my eye is drawn to something on every page because of the way opinion will draw a face or, or somebody standing above the food out at the fire pit or, 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 you know, Adam coughing into a rag. It's like, there's just something that I, I just gets drawn to on every page. I lose sight of everything else. Cause that's all I'm looking at. And, and I forget where the hell I left off. And, and it, it, that, that doesn't piss me off because it's, it's sloppy. It's just because of what the, on um, um, where, where, where he's talking about, um, uh, the cyborg android dude is, is perched like on top of the, the pillar and, and he's talking to the crew. And it's like, I mean, that, that panel alone, there's just, there, honest to God, there, there are, there's a panel on every page that I just absolutely adore. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, this is, it, this is crazy. This is, I don't know. I, 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 this is, this is, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a trade weight book, but this is something that will definitely be more enjoyed when you have a, a collection to read at a time. Oh, um, definitely agree with Just that. because you're going to lose something, you're going to forget, for me anyway, you're going to forget something for, from one issue to the next, but I think because the story is so dense, because of the characters involved, um, it, it could be a very simple, straightforward story where, you know, you have, have these dudes going after this guy and, and, you know, it, it's, they're, they're just trying to right wrongs, but it's, there, there is so much more than that. And, and every, nobody is a throwaway character. Nobody is, even, even if we lose somebody in an issue, um, it, it, it's not like you can, it's not a red shirt. You can't really afford to lose anybody. Everybody's playing a part. And, and now that, uh, if something happens to one of them, um, it definitely shifts things and, and, uh, it, it's, I, no, it, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it, it's definitely, I, oh man, I, 
I don't know how many issues of this we're going to get this year, but but every single one uh, is going to be a treasure. It, it, it's a beautiful book. Yeah, and again with the with the the uh, multi layered thought going into this, so you you've you've managed thanks to a mole, you've managed to capture your greatest enemy. But what do you do? You just kill him. Just kill him. Well, you you can't kill him. You got to keep him alive because if you kill him, everybody with the whisper dies, and that's a whole bunch of people. Some of them would be innocent, so you can't really kill him. God damn it! You know what I mean? Like it would be so easy if you mm-hmm. if you could just you know, capture this guy. Why feed him? Fuck him. Who cares? Cut his throat, and then we're <laughs> done. We're, let's go home. We'll watch some TV, but we can't kill him because then a whole bunch of people will die. That really. You know, okay, maybe they shouldn't. Um, again, and the one thing that I think the seed that Remender has planted in this is the death of Zeb. So we know that Adam's brother, the, the soul, the essence, whatever you want to call it, of Adam's brother was put into that spike thing that he used mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to, 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 with all the, you know, little fairies and stuff. And so he managed, he, the, the brother became a weapon. How do we know that the father's not going to become a weapon? Because Adam's sister is still holding the fort back home. I'm guessing that that's not going to be uh, a certainty for the entire series. I'm guessing she's going to head out. Maybe as the father with a weapon, maybe that weapon takes down the Mud King. Mm-hmm. That, that would be cool. We'll see. But again, food for thought. Everything in this book is just grist for the for the for the mind mill. It's just something to think about on every friggin' page. And I just want it to be either this or this, and it's not. It's both simultaneously. It's either or. It's just oh, I don't know what to think. <laughs> and that's why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. It makes you think. All right. The best. Yeah, guaranteed. So let's move on to something else. What's your next chapter? Oh, my next chapter. All right. I have two, but they're quickies. Um, uh, Again, Jay Disbrow's Monster Invasion. This is The Thing from the Void, which originally appeared in Ghostly Weird Stories number 123, June of 1954 from Star Publications. It's a cool little story. Um, Not that far removed from a lot of B-movies we saw in the 60s. Um, science fiction slash horror a meteorite lands in uh, Louisiana, uh, Louisiana Bayou. Big thing. Boom. Comes down. Burns a bunch of trees. Um, Sheriff Mark Randolph, who's on a date with his girlfriend Kathy, gets a call. Something hit. And he says, oh, let's let the deputies deal with it. Uh, the deputies start dying. Uh, inside the meteor is a creature. And this, the, the whole purpose of this story is to view Disbrow's amazing creature design. And it's not what you would expect. It's this weird looking creature. His nose, the creature's nose looks like, it, it looks like a wet, postulant cannoli shell. That's been like, like his, the, the nose is a tube. But it's bent, and it's just the weirdest thing. It's like Star Trek. How do I make this thing 
look alien. Well, you mess with the nose. Um, <laughs> Seriously, and and it's just shaggy. It's got long hair, and it's roaming across the countryside. And it's just why do you read this story? Because the creature's amazing, and that's that's the sole reason to read it. Um, and the last story is called Us "Ultimate Destiny: A Study of Suspense and Horror." And Jason, as a Deadpool fan, you're going to love this one because right. Disbrow breaks the fourth wall. Oh, yes. The character that's involved in the story is talking directly to the reader in the first panel. He's covered in blood. There's a a river of blood streaming down the wall behind him. And he says, if you value your sanity, don't read this story. It is too horrible for the eyes of man to behold. Within these pages are some are sown the seeds of madness. Please close this magazine and turn away before it is too late for you too may become a victim as I have. As if there was a dude living in the panel of this printed comic book story inside the magazine. He's talking right to the reader. And that to me is just amazing. I love breaking the fourth wall. I loved it in She-Hulk. I love it whenever in Deadpool. I love it whenever it's done. And this is great. It and it's like the, the some kind of hokum about some guy going to Tibet and he he stumbles upon something he shouldn't have and he starts melting and and um, there's a curse obviously. But the the very last panel and again it's on the eleven o'clock comics dot com website. The last panel is a is a sight to behold. I'm just gonna say. Hello, Howard. And you'll you'll know it when you see it. It's in there in the image list, and it's just amazing. This gigantic, disgusting creature with a phone in him, and he's got dripping and his giant tongue, and he's in the room, and you just need to see it. I'm, uh, any kind of description I give you is not going to do justice to Disbrow's creature design. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And who's going to pay to clean that carpet? I don't know. Somebody has to do it. <laughs> Jade Disbrow's Monster Invasion, Volume 19, in the Chilling Archives of Horror Comics from IDW and Craig Yo. If you're not reading these things, shame, 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 shame on you. It is, it is a, again, $24.99 hardcover, jam-packed, spot varnish on the cover and the spine and the back cover. Just buy this stuff. Like, just get on it. Get on it. It's a joy. Every time I open my box and there's a, a Craig Yo book in there. What's in the box? Uh-huh. Yep. All right, what else? He's the man. He is. He's crazy. And he is. should really do something with that hair. No, I think he no, did. That That's why you get point. that. It's on fleek. It, on fleek? Are you kidding me? I, I would be like, dude, brush that away. I want to see your face. Oh, dang. I can't mm. talk to you when you got that shit in your it's eyes. It's on point, <laughs> Hate you would not be seen with me if I wore my – well, I don't have hair. But if I did have hair and I looked like that, you'd be like, yeah, we're going to check out our Sally. Dude, you could be smeared in excrement and I would happily be in public with you. <laughs> <laughs> Even though apparently I don't get you. Oh, dude. Well, okay. So we're going to take, take that seriously. <sighs> Before um, we jump into something in detail, Vince, I just wanted to mention that I did, uh, I did uh, peep that secret snade – uh, oh, yes. nice! Yeah, it's legit. It's, you know, I was familiar with a lot of those pieces, though, because he's he's had those pieces. Well, 
or he's had some of those pieces um, for sale for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. We I've, were almost, I've almost the, bought a few over the years, and I, I never pulled the trigger. But we saw those. Um, yeah. Some of them at C2E2 last up year, up close yep. and personal. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But it's it's nice that you know when you, when you're an illustrator and you don't only have collections of your published work, but you have collections of your doodles that led to your public work. That's like you're something else, right? That that's a you're that good that even your your scribbles are are a level above like most like I think Snade's preliminary drawings are as good as some guys finished stuff that mm-hmm. are that are known yeah. for that kind of of drawing and it, it's it's all good girl art he draws some sexy ass women does and and, of course and it's, he does. they're also they're a lot of the a lot of the panels, a lot of the strips are just are funny. You do you, you, you chuckle. I mean, yes, they're they're very easy on the eyes. They're great to look at. You know, yeah. uh, my, my, what my wife lacks in cooking, she makes it for a presentation because she's 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 naked wearing an apron, <laughs> yeah, bringing really. a turkey to the, to, to the table. I mean, these are just. I mean, yes, yeah, some of them are corny and they're oh, you know, because they're from Playboy. And, I'm gonna and eat over there. They're not all new or current, but there are some others that you know are a little bit more topical, where they're you know referencing Survivor or something like that. So, right. um, you know, he 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 seems to be tuned in, and and he's it's it, I. I think we, we've talked to him at shows. We've talked to his wife at shows, and and they're a very lovely couple. And you know, not a, I, I say not at all what you would expect for someone drawing things like this. But it, it's you know, he's just he's he's definitely that that old school mentality where this was this was the job, and it looks like he absolutely loves what he does. Right. And it's um, but you know what about Snead? You would expect him to be the guy wearing the lampshade at the party, <laughs> like like uh, an extrovert. But he's he's anything but like. Well, here's he, the thing, right? Because I mean, he's an older gentleman now. I don't yeah. know how old he is, but he, I'd say what in his late seventies, maybe. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You knew he. You know he he got his freak all back in the day. <laughs> I'm not so you sure. Cannot, no, you cannot draw those kinds of cartoons yeah, for that many years. You can't that be that tuned in without being a freak. Yeah. Well, you that's have to, you have to you have to know the you have to know what you're doing. Right. He well, got that, he turned he turned it out. Okay, but okay, but okay. He did he did turn it out, but I don't think he was one to to speak on it. Like I don't think he he. Bumped, I didn't say he spoke on right, it. Right, he bumped. I, I don't think he bumped it and told because you you can't capture the nuances in the female form that he has managed to capture without hands on research. Let's just say mm-hmm. that, right? That's why I'm thinking Frank Cho's got to be a freak. He's got to be whatever. <laughs> What about Bud Root? Right? <laughs> or Steve Steve Dude, I Mannion? Still Bud Root, I still want a Bud Root commission. <laughs> yeah, me too. But did you have you noticed that like the Cavewoman books that have the Bud Root cover are like a couple bucks more than the same issues that well, don't? Of course, right? Be. Yeah. That don't. By the way, I'm so bummed that we didn't buy that book from Cho. Right? That's what I'm saying. Because re- you can't find it now. I regret. I regret. He, because Cho was an he, – let's be honest. He was, he was a, a chode. He was a, he was chode. a chode. He was an ass. Yeah. Uh, Frank Cho. But I wish I bought it because that thing was jam-packed with beautiful art. I know, man. And, you know, who – Daryl bought it, right? Or was it – No, it, Gil. Gil bought it. Oh, Gil bought it, Right. I wish he never showed it to us because now I got buyer's remorse. No, bu- right, buyer's no, regret. No. Yeah, non-buyer's remorse. Right. Yeah, I know, I know. 
Dap, I don't know if you are in my book, but uh, in my camp, but I am absolutely still loving this Marvel Unlimited. I, I, yes, I'm catching you, up with all the books. You should get some kickback because you convinced <laughs> a lot of people to yeah. jump on board this Unlimited. Bro, Seth, it's so freaking good, dude. I, you know what? I'm, I, I'm just like, oh, I'm like, I, I lost track of that. Oh, let me start. I'll just read it from the beginning, and it's like you have it all right there on your iPad. In my case, I just. I read it like, boom. like I, I banged out. I read, I read all, I read the first six issues of Black Widow, Somni and Wade. Yeah. I read uh, the in the last like two weeks because we didn't talk about. It, I, I read the the first eleven issues of of Bendis and and Skeety's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I read this week all the first eleven issues of the Mighty Thor, Jason Aaron and Russell Dowderman. My God, by the way, not you know, Russell Dowderman. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Holy crap, yes. is that dude ridiculous? Oh my god, he is a beast. Um, I read, uh, I caught up on, uh, well, I, I got through the seventh issue of Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, I read uh, No Groans. Uh, I read the first 11 issues of Uncanny X-Men. Um, but my point is, it's like, it's so easy. Uh, I, and then I read like the, and then, because it's, uh, it's like a six-month lag, I read the, the latest issue, the the most recent issues they just released of uh, All New Wolverine number eleven, um, uh, uh, Sam Wilson Cap twelve. So it's just it's great, man. It's totally great. Like now that I no longer care about being like up to date and current, and that our show doesn't you know require us to review comics as they come out that first week, it's phenomenal. What's that a month? Ten bucks a month. Not or, even though, right? Or, or is I, I think it, I paid um, sixty nine bucks. Right? The, yeah, no. It is, it's it's a discount if if the months are if you do if you do the sixty nine for the year, it's obviously less a month. But you can do the monthly subscription, and it's nine ninety nine. And up until I think yesterday, there yeah. was a uh, a discount code for the when first. It comes month out. Free. I think I pay like rough like somewhere around six bucks a month. Yeah, for the annual, which is two comics, man. Yeah, and there's that. So so it's it's. Did seventy for just the or sixty for just the straight collection uh, subscription for the year, but then they also offer a for ninety nine bucks you get that, and I think you get like a a uh, I don't know if it's a PVC statue. They they, th- they throw in some some things for the extra twenty thirty bucks. Um, make it worth your while if you want to go that route. But it, it it's an amazing it, it really is an amazing service. I wish. Other publishers offered it. Um, I have, an, whereas I'm, I have some Marvel books that I'm, I'm keeping current on. I'm going in the other direction than Jason. I'm, I'm looking for things that um, some older books that I hadn't read, including, and and I know I'm torturing myself with this, uh, Spider-Man Chapter One by John Byrne, <laughs> and I, I had never read it. Um, it is kind of torture. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, it, as pretty as it is in some cases, but I, I know based on what I have ascertained over the years, uh, what to expect in, in some things. Um, but it, it's, it's a bit of a chore and, and I don't, I, I think I might have to go and, and read something else in between issues, but it's a, um, it it's it's absolutely fantastic. It, it's awesome. I mean, it's we're, we're we're lucky in that you know we get we get some preview copies of some Dark Horse Image books. But I mean, to just kick back and 
um, have a library of, of Marvel books, either, you know, reading what's out now and, and the good things like, like Jason just said with, with Mighty Thor. Um, oh man, the Mighty Thor is so good. Strange. And, and it's, there's, there are, there are some gems that Marvel's putting out right now. Um, but you can go back and, and relive your childhood a little bit and, and read, you know, various issues of maybe Marvel team up or, uh, Fantastic Four, the Avengers. So there's, there's, it really is, uh, it's a fantastic bargain. You, you really can't beat it. Cool. <laughs> You're so funny. Yeah. Um, You're so funny. Uh, I know we have, uh, we have some images since Vince already uploaded them. I guess I'm going to have to kind of at least mention. I've been deleting some, so you don't have to talk about all of them. But, um, but it looks to me like you really enjoyed Spider-Gwen because there's a bunch of images from that. Well, because yeah, some of them are pretty funky. Um, I, I, there was a, uh, a six part crossover, three issues from Spider-Man and three issues from Spider-Gwen. Uh, Spider-Man 12, 13, and 14, Spider-Gwen 16, 17, and 18, uh, titled Sitting in a Tree, which, um, Miles's father, um, is a, uh, spoilers, cause I, some of it I'm, I'm kind of learning as, as I go, uh, as far as the Miles Morales universe of Spider-Man. I did read, um, I'm pretty much, I don't think I'm current, but I, I, I read the bulk of, of this series. Um, and, uh, even though it lost me a little bit through the Civil War stuff, but this particular crossover, Miles' dad is a agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and he has gone missing. So Maria Hill goes to Miles, says, I need you to find your dad. Here's a, um, here's a funky little wristwatch that, uh, doubles as a, interdimensional portal opener so so you can go and find him on another earth and uh ends up on the uh the earth of Gwen Stacy which I believe is earth 65 and uh what's interesting is is the Spider-Man issues Miles is telling the story to um Ned Leeds I mean Ganky and um Gold Balls from the Bendis X-Men run, uh, who is going to school where Miles goes to school and is actually a, uh, a roommate, a dorm mate of, um, Miles and Genki. Uh, so Miles is telling them this story about what he's been up to, where he's been, uh, that he kissed Gwen, uh, while looking for his dad. The Pacelli issues are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yep. the woman is, is just, I'm not going to call her a beast, but they are absolutely, uh, fantastic looking pages. He shows up looking for his dad on Earth 65 and it turns out that, um, the person who is, uh, this, this universe is, um, Papa Morales is the scorpion of Earth 65, but he, he's, I don't want to say he's a pimp. He's, he's dressed more like a, uh, just, just a slick down, uh, mob dude. He's just like, you know, um, so when Miles is face to face with this guy and he calls him dad, um, Scorpion, don't take too kind to it. Um, since I am, I'm going backwards and, and I'll be using Marvel Unlimited for this to, to read some Spider-Gwen that I, I haven't, um, I haven't read. 
some of the things are still familiar. You know, Matt Murdock is still um, a, uh, if you want to call him a lackey, for Wilson Fisk. Gwen's dad um, is, I believe, in prison uh, for keeping keeping a secret, since he knows who Spider-Gwen is um, and won't say. Uh, so I need to fill in some blanks as far as that goes. But Miles and... Um, it, it looks like somebody is stealing technology, bad guy tech, uh, from Earth 616 and bringing it to Earth 65. So you have at Club Scorpion, there's basically an auction going on. Uh, you can get, um, the Wizard's Mine Helmet, Titanium Man's Armor, Cable's Plasma Cannon. What? Uh, Taskmaster's Shield. Is there a reserve? Super Adaptoids Head and Torso. Um, because then this ties into, I believe, to the Spider-Women crossover between Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, and Silk. Um, Silk is actually an acronym on Earth-65. Uh, and I think Cindy Moon is in charge of it or an agent of it. And, and so that's, that's who's involved in stealing the other world, other Earth's tech and bringing it to, to this Earth. Um, as uh as this is all happening there's a um you know miles just really wants to find his dad bring his dad back home um Gwen is just trying to there he's he miles is kind of coming in and ready to run roughshod over everybody just you know to to because that's what his mission is and he just wants to complete that and and Gwen's like you know this is this is my earth. We kind of have, you know, I, I know what goes on around here. You got to have to listen to me a bit and, um, you know, don't, don't, don't be so hot headed. And, uh, there's, there's the whole thing with the police because, you know, the police show up and they, I, they're, they're not too keen on earth 65. They have no idea who the hell this Spider-Man is. Um, but then on, 616, you know, as long as the cops, as long as Miles is in Brooklyn, you know, he's, he's pretty cool with those cops, but outside of Brooklyn, uh, it's kind of a shoot first, ask questions later kind of thing. Um, but Miles and Gwen kind of, um, uh, they, they're attracted to each other and, and they, um, they kind of have a little bit of a moment. Except, um, Miss <laughs> Marvel shows up and, uh, Miles is a little embarrassed. But while, um, while on the stakeout, Miles is, is, uh, checking things out around the perimeter and, and Kamala and Gwen are having a conversation. And, um, she's, ba- Kamala's just basically saying, oh, listen, just, just don't hurt him. Just, you know, he, he's a good kid. Um, he's the best. And, uh, I just, I don't want to see him hurt. Um, which makes Gwen a little uncomfortable. Uh, but everybody is on the same page, obviously. Miles is a great guy. Fast forward to, um, they get separated and Miles is, uh, basically he's, he's, He's going to take care. He finally has a beat on, on where, where his dad is going to go rescue dad. Um, 
Gwen ends up kind of earth hopping, uh, and they end up, she ends up on an earth where the spectacular Spider Woman and the Amazing Spider Man are husband and wife and are celebrating like 20 years of, of wedded bliss. They have kids, um, the, the, the built-in house sitter is, uh, basically, um, Peter Porker. And, uh, it's, it's Charlotte, since Latour is, of course, a, a Flair fan, and George Jefferson Maximilian Max Morales Stacy. So, so those are the kids' names. Um, when they finally, when Gwen finally catches up with Miles, uh, they continue with the, um, Basically, every, everything works out. But before the the images that I, I, I sent to Vince, um, some of the planets, some of the Earths that they go through, uh, which are some of my favorite parts of the issue, they end up on um, on whichever Earth um, the Spider-Man Noir series takes place. So we get the appearance from him. We land on an Earth where there's a red streak headed towards a building that looks like it's got a little bit of a planet attached to the top of it. And then we end up on the Marvel Zombies Earth. Yay. And then that's when they get separated and, and she ends up on the um on the Earth where uh they're married with children. But the uh it's it's a pretty funky crossover. I thought um it looked like everybody kinda had fun uh working on it. They they the this the crossover ends with everybody in a in a nice enough place. Um they're not really boyfriend and girlfriend, but they uh they're they're um they're friends for now, but 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 they're a little closer than they were than this all started. But it was a um it was like a, a Robbie I know he can draw a kick ass Gwen. I like his miles in this too. It's it's obviously different than uh than Sarah's who nails Miles easily and, and I, I, I dig her um slightly more realistic version of, of Gwen uh compared to Robbie's exaggerated version, which the overall this was fun. I mean it was world hopping, it was um it was you know mistaken identity and and humorous. I think you know, Bendis knows how to write humor and and I really think, you know, Jason nails everything about the um Earth 65 and where, where he's going and what he's doing with, with, with these alternate versions of, of heroes and characters we're used to seeing. But overall, it was, it was really fun. So I normally, if I'm enjoying a series and then I have to, you know, read uh, a book that I don't normally read, in this case, it wasn't an issue since I do like Spider-Gwen, but, you know, for example, the, um, the Lazarus contract that I, I placed my DCBS order and yes, I, I added, the Titans and the Teen Titans books along with the Deathstroke books because I had to, you know, I don't want to not, I know, I know. So, but it worked out anyway. Um, yeah, this, this was fun. I don't know what's going to, I don't know how they're going they're probably going to collect the six issues in their own book. So if you trade waiting, any collectors who uh, are looking for that, you know, I want to keep my, my Spider-Man and my Spider-Gwen books 
separate. I mm-hmm. don't know if that's going to happen with this collection, but uh, it was it it was pretty fun. I dug it, and and Jason will read it in six months, and and we can talk about it. That's <laughs> true. You know, part of me wants to call foul. Like, oh, isn't it awful convenient that an alternate reality Gwen is attracted to an alternate reality Spider-Man? Wow, what are the chances? But <laughs> no, I'm just saying. But like, like the heroic cycle, like Star Wars, there are events in the mythology that repeat themselves over time. So, in in a sense, it does. It, it is logical. It does make sense. But well, she's not. She doesn't have a Peter Parker on her world anymore and no but she's attracted to spider-man that's what i'm saying right but yeah but well she can't be attracted to peter or peter because obviously i'm pretty sure he's older than she is so um that would be a an nc-17 book right yes right which would make it right of princess alley yes um ordered (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so so that's that um i'll save the other one does sound good okay Okay, gotcha. All right, uh, we wrapping this bad boy up because I don't know. I may go long on the in your travels. Well, Man, I think we're so. in a rush. I'm not in a rush. I'm just saying. Well, I hope I, you're in your travels isn't Dark Knight three number eight, isn't? I didn't read it yet. Oh, it's good. nice. And I do not <laughs> appreciate you, you know, poo-pooing you know, you know, it. Have to. It's um. I do have to. Actually, there's there some some of the um some of Miller's work in the backup issue isn't in the backup story isn't um. Is too bad, but I, I I read it and I'm like, yeah, this, <laughs> what do you mean? This could have been. This. What do you mean some? I mean some. I mean they're easy. See, even you're having a hard time. God, you're killing me. Thing would look good. Um, no, there there's some. It, it's oh, like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I, I I see the next page and I'm like, that's kind of not the, oh, stop. Uh, the, <laughs> the the. It's yeah. This this didn't need to be nine issues, dude. What is it? It needs to be fifty issues. No, yeah. what, 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 you're talking about number eight. Yeah, yeah, I didn't read that yet. No, I'll, re- I'll read it for next week. Okay, read it for next week. Um, I love it. Uh, uh, hug it. I am four issues behind. So, <laughs> damn, when it was good. something wrong uh, with you. There was. Um, should we? Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm, unless you guys had had something to talk about, I'll, I'll save um, Black Cloud number one for next week. Yeah, I want to reread that. Okay. Because Same. yeah, I read it and okay. it was just like, okay. Uh huh. Yeah, I, it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I I don't think uh, the protagonist is all that smart. Because no, because if she has the power to do what we've seen her do and she's she's like bumming dollars on street corner like you you have the power to rule the world and yeah, and right. you're it's, you're settling for dollars like I, I don't get it yeah trying to get a dollar in a, like, like a dollar like no, what, no. What's, what's that but, but i want to i want to read it again because i have to admit though that the premise uh allows for an infinite amount of of diversity in the narrative. Like you, you they mm-hmm. could do, they could go anywhere, do any kind of creature or any kind of you know culture they want. Uh, that's cool. So I mean, that's already built in. This book can go anywhere. That's I, I, I appreciated that. But I mean, I just think the main character is like somewhat of a, you know, she's she's not she's not seeing the 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 big prize. She's looking. I at, think it's 
but she's if she's as old as she says she is there's this there's probably been some something that's happened where it's caused her way of thinking to change maybe maybe but i mean we'll 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 go deep next week because visually i thought the book was phenomenal yes yeah agreed all right, everybody, remember, I'm going to say it again in case you weren't listening at the top of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Valiant whoop, whoop. and whoop, the, the all-new XO Manowar number one on sale now. Everywhere you get the comics, it's Matt Kent and Thomas Giarello. It's gorgeous and it reads fantastic. It's part one of the soldier arc. It's a perfect jumping on point. And the opening chapter of 2017's biggest new ongoing series. If you're interested in Valiant, but geez, where do I start? Look no further than Exo Manowar number one because it's, it's important and you should read it and it's gorgeous and it's fun. It's just amazing. Uh, go get it from Valiant Entertainment and discount comic book service, DCBService.com. We all get our books there because they are the best. We will settle for nothing but the best, and they are. Uh, last time you're going to hear these. Spill Zone, hardcover, volume one from first, second, $12.64. Songy of Paradise, my man. Gary Panther from Fanographics, $22.74. And Youngblood, number one, from Image, $1. Yeah, yes, $1.99. I got two in your travels. One is very Ugh. brief. Just stop. One is very brief. I've talked about the first miniseries. Um, in a previous episode, there is a second miniseries by Alexi Zirit and Fabian Wrangle Jr., um, Ryan Ferrer, published by Black Mask. It is Space Riders, Galaxy of Brutality, number one. I haven't received my first issue yet from Discount Comic Book Service, but I have seen pages from this book, and it looks as awesome as the first miniseries. Just get it. Space Riders Galaxy of Brutality, number one. What I really want to talk about, and I've pushed this on the Facebooks because the damn thing almost changed my life. It is an amazing, amazing movie. It is called Gantz Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a movie written, uh, adapted from the manga, which is written and illustrated by Hiroya Oku. Um, in particular, it, it takes some stuff from the main Gantz manga, but it's mostly pulled from the Gantz special which was called Osaka, and that's what the O is for. O is for Osaka. The premise of this thing is that there is a omnipotent, sentient, sadistic, uh, belligerent orb. It's a black orb called Gantz. And it somehow has the power to revive the dead and pull them into this game. They have a certain amount of time to achieve their goal. If they don't, they'll all go back to being dead. The the Gantz Orb provides the players with weapons and uh, a suit that can protect them from um, harm. In a sense, the suit makes them superhuman. 
and it gives them these super weapons. And they have to go out into the streets of Japan and fight these yokai and kaiju um, and win. And if they win, if they score a certain amount of points, if they score 100 points, they get options. Like you, you, it's a gift. Like, hey, you beat the boss. Now you have 100 points. What are you going to do with it? You can get an upgrade in your weapons. You can revive a dead teammate or you can be um, – you can go back to your life. We'll erase the fact that you're dead and reinsert you back into life. And uh, when when Gantz Zero opens, it's uh, focused on uh, Masaru Kato. And this is a dude whose parents were killed in a car accident. He's like 17 and he's working – to support his 10-year-old brother. And uh, it's a guy who, like Peter Parker, unfortunately after Uncle Ben died, uh, like Peter Parker, who just can't turn away from somebody in trouble, he's got to help. He's just, he's, he's forced to do it. Something in his DNA just compels him to, to, to help. And he sees someone stabbed on the subway. And he goes over to help and he himself is stabbed. And he uh, he dies and revives in this room with other people and in the presence of this Gantz orb and he's inserted into the game. The animation is ungodly good. The The character design and creature design is just like next level. There, there's, there's kaiju both great and small. There's a gigantic bull spider kaiju that fights this immense mech in the streets of Japan, buildings fall. It's just like, I can't tell you how good this damn thing is. It makes me want to read the manga. I have them. I just haven't read them. There's like 37 volumes, 38 volumes. It goes on for a long time. And the manga is very sexually and uh, violently explicit. This, not so much. There's there's a, there's a, there's bouncing boobies in it. Like there's, there, there's a woman who was uh, a model. And, and she pimped hair products. And she's got a, like, she's a D cup. And when she runs in the protective suit, like, they're very generous with the physics in this thing. Like, the boobies are bouncing all over the place. It would not be like that in real life. But, so, so there's fan service in it. But if you like giant monsters and monsters in general, and you like science fiction and cool mechs and, uh, an intricate storyline. Watch Gantz O on Netflix. It is just superb. That's, that's all I'm going to say. It's just great. I'm going to. It's. The, it was the uh, the the drug which is going to lead me into the harder stuff, which is the manga. And I guess there's a uh, an OA series, and there's a a live action movie. There's just like it. Just seems like there's tons of stuff. That Hiroya Oku has created for Gantz, so I'm 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 a convert. I loved every minute of it. I've watched it like three and a half times. I got busy during the second, the, the, the last one, but it is just <laughs> I'm am telling you, watch it. It, it it's subtitled, so if you if you hate subtitles, don't watch it because you you have to do some reading. But Gantz O is just impeccable, so good. That, that's it. That's my inner travels. I did a short one this week. Oh, yeah. Inner <laughs> <laughs> travels. Take it away. Um, 
I, uh, it's a miniseries that just wrapped up. Mm. And it, uh, it, it's five issues ties into what, um, what Jason Aaron has been doing, uh, regarding Thor and Odinson mm. and Hammers and, uh, and a whisper. And the unworthy Thor, written by Jason Aaron, mostly drawn by Olivier Coipel and colored by Matthew Wilson, um, is the story of a few months in Odinson's life where he is captured and kept by the collector. Um, nice. Yeah. Smart, too, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, he, um, Beta Ray Bill shows up and offers Thor, um, Stormberg offers him his hammer and, and Thor says, I'm not worthy and, and you hold on to your hammer. Um, but we're both here where Asgard is supposed to be, um, Asgard is supposed to be so that, uh, this is where the hammer was supposed to have landed and, and, um, because there was a hammer that, that, that did land and that's what was, that's what drew Thor and Bill to this spot. Turns out Asgard is missing. Um, and it's, um, because the collector, um, he couldn't lift the hammer, so he decided to just take the entire land um, <laughs> of old Asgard. Oh, that's awesome! And yeah, yep. so he's like, if I can't have the hammer, I'm just going to take Fuck the whole place. Taking so everything. Asgard. <laughs> he 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 he. Um, because Asgardia is still where everybody in the Mighty Thor is still living. So this is old Asgard. Um, and he ha- so Odinson, bullheaded as usual, uh, demands. It to be freed and, and just basically he's on top, he, he rides Tooth Nasher right towards the collector's ship, uh, only to be captured. Um, and Bill also gets captured while, um, so the collector brings him in front of this hammer and, and says, uh, tell me the secrets. Tell me. He's like, I tried to lift it and it hurt. So, I can't, and everybody around me who I've had try to lift it, uh, all perish and, and, and don't live to tell the tale. So, um, you're Thor, you were Thor, you know its secrets. And, and, and Odinson's like just yelling at it. He's like, I cannot, I, I don't have the ability to. I'm not worthy. I cannot lift this hammer. And, um, and every time he's about to, uh, the collector basically smacks him back down and he's like, no, it's my hammer. I, it, you, you're going to tell me how I can wield it. You're just, I don't want anybody else messing with my shit. It's mine now. <laughs> tell me how I can play with it. And, um, there's, uh, there's a few flashbacks in, in some later issues where, um, you have art by it. It's, it's broken down by, um, by era. So you have, um, Quapel with, um, Kim, I want to say 
Jacinto. It's J-A-C-I-N-T-O. Um, they do present day. Fraser Irving does Young Thor before the hammer. Isad Ribic does Worthy Thor. And then Russell Dowderman does the Unworthy Thor. Holy uh, cow. Yeah, so this, this this was a real, but it didn't. But be, again, because Aaron's working with dudes who are telling who, who are telling different eras, um, the art style works. It, it, the 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 changes work, and the way Fraser, you the, the this page, the first page in the in the fourth issue is absolutely amazing because the way Fraser draws young Thor trying to lift this hammer off its pedestal and the light glowing from it. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane. The man is, is, is a monster. I love his work. And the fact that we're seeing him on a couple of Jason Aaron books right now, um, just makes my heart dance with joy. The, you know, um, I gotta ask though. What? The obvious question. Why isn't Fraser Irving on a regular book? With the amount of detail he puts in this, with the, with, with the heavy metal looking coloring, I, yeah. I don't know if, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Because what the hell? I mean, what, what was the problem with, uh, what the hell was it? Gutsville? What the hell was the one where, where they lived in the, uh, the yeah. colony? That lived yeah. In the, yeah. I, whose, whose fault was that with the delays? Was it the writer? I, I want to say it was the writer. I don't know, but, uh, you know, an artist of his magnitude, like, why, I know. why isn't he doing regular work? I, I don't know. I, don't I really know. don't. Maybe he's just got, you know, maybe other things are going on where Let's it's get just. Him on. Like, Mm-hmm. Comics are a fun hobby. Anyway, um, Thor, uh, I'm sorry, Odinson and Bill break free from, uh, from the collector's traps and, and clutches and, um, are on their way to the hammer. But, uh, earlier in the series, we cut to the, the, the shield headquarters, the, um, Triskillian and, and we have, uh, where Thanos is being kept and a hooded mystery figure shows up saying that I know where there's a hammer and I can get that hammer for you. Um, oh, Thanos is like, all right, do it, go for it. Uh, but I'm going to let you take a couple of my lackeys. So, um, what the hell's her name? Uh, Proxima and Black Swan go with this woman. Um, they show up on the collective ship. They're like, well, fuck it. We're... So everybody's fighting everybody. You have these three fighting Odinson and Bill and Toothnasher. And the best supporting character is this hellhound who talks, who Loki named Thori at some point many, many years ago, probably in an issue of Journey to Mystery or something. And, um, what a dick. And it's, 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 it was, um, He's basically doing Odinson's bidding now because Odinson freed him. And he's like, you know, let's just, you can, because you know, because all, all the dog wants to run around and do is like murder. He just sees a scream and murder every chance he gets. It, it was fun as hell. So when it all comes down, we finally find out in the fifth issue of Unworthy Thor, we find out exactly why Thor is unworthy. We find out what Nick Fury Whisper to him that caused him to drop the hammer. No way. Yes. Yes. And it. Now tell me. <sighs> it's a big spoiler, isn't it? It, it, it's sort of kinda. See, I'm tempted. I'll tell you, yeah. just say I'm, spoiler. I'm if you tempted. don't want to know, 
turn the episode off now. Or I could just tell you. No, dude, blow it up, man. Shit. Yeah. Blow up the outhouse. Spoiler warning. Come on. Plenty of spoiler spoiler warnings. Spoiler warning. What Fury says to him is that Gore was right. Gore the God Butcher was right. No God is worthy. So he just said three little words. Gore was right. That gave him pause, made him doubt himself, dropped the hammer, and hasn't felt worthy enough. And the hammer knows it because the hammer is obviously with somebody who is worthy. Um, and this leads to basically I'm guessing Gore will return and and that's where you know we're going to have some some big doings as um as this as as Odin's story continues um you want to know who the hooded figure was that 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 went to visit Thanos and promised him the hammer Terax No no I said a her or she Oh it's a her Yeah um, um but it Nebula no, no, because she used the um, the font was in the uh, the Norse god. Sif. Sif. No, but that'd be cool. Hella. Yep. Hey, I am smart. Um, After five so, tries, I'm smart. So she, um, <laughs> so she's basically um, going to. Uh, she's as she makes out with Thanos. Ooh, and, and that's well. This, come on, why not? Yes, he loves that. He's exactly. all about that death life. Exactly. Why not? He's like, you know, she's, um... That's it cool. would make sense that his side piece for death is another goddess of death. Exactly. Right. He's like, so, so after she after she does away with, um... Everybody has a She type. fucks up, um, Swan and, um... Approximately. So she, he's like, so, so, so now you're, are you hoping to challenge me now, woman? Is, is that your grand plan? She's like, no, I'm just proving a point that I shouldn't need a damn token to secure your commitment that I can offer you so much more, certainly more than these petty children with whom you surrounded yourself. And, and then I was telling her, she's kind of bold. And, um, she's like, no, I'm, I'm not bold. I'm where bold. I'm where the bold go to die. I am Hella, queen of, queen of Niflheim, mistress of the damned and the dear departed. Help me retake my kingdom, Thanos of Titan. And I can promise you, what you desire more than all else in the heavens, more than hammers or gems, more than conquest or glory. And he says, what is that? And she whispers in his ear, death, and they embrace. And then we cut to Odinson and Bill having the conversation, and and then they celebrate by drinking meat, and everybody gets drunk. And then days later, the hammer that everyone was... After, uh, a figure appears and says, I heard your call and I've come, even though I don't know why one such as I could possibly be chosen to. Um, but now is the time for the war Thor. And he picks up the hammer and lightning strikes. And then coming soon, the saga of the all new ultimate Thor. It was a pretty key. I, I'm glad I, I, I took the Vince short route tonight for the inner travels. Oh, this was, I see how this it is. was a really, I didn't know really what to expect with this miniseries because I know, you know, with the mighty Thor, Aaron's telling her story and, and, and having great fun with that. We really haven't seen 
Odinson since that story started. Um, so I wasn't sure if this was just going to be a fun little romp with him getting into mischief and, and drinking himself stupid. But this was, uh, this is just a, another chapter in, in that grand story that, uh, that Jason wants to tell about these characters. And it, it, it was a beaut. So in your travels, either read them on Marvel Unlimited when they come out in a couple of months or just get the collection when it's, when it's ready. Cause this was, uh, it, it's a beautiful looking collection, but, but it, it, it was a really cool story too. And it, it's, it's, uh, yes, there's a reference to sadly original sin, but it all makes it worthwhile when you get to the, uh, to the last issue. Dope. Yeah. Sounds good. You're, you're, you are some verbose motherfuckers. For reals. That's all. Totally. totally. Uh, in your travels, I'm gonna try and keep this tight and right. Um, my cousin Brian is up to no good again. Uh, but on the real, Brian Wood is, good at two things. He's good at the Vikings and he's good at the political drama. Mm-hmm. I loved DMZ. Loved, loved, loved it. And then he was, you know, I guess a little political, at least on the environmental front, um, with the massive. Although, you know, I guess, no, I guess that was political to be fair. But he is back with, I think, I'm going to go out on a limb and say after the first six issues, this will go down as his best work to date. Career. Wow. Uh, and I'm talking about Briggsland. What is this? Briggsland, uh, B-R-I-G-G-S-L-A-N-D, uh, by Dark Horse. Uh, I just read the first trade. Uh, it's called State of Grace. It's written by Brian Wood, uh, with art by, and someone I was unfamiliar with until this book called, uh, uh, their name is Mac Chater, C-H-A-T-E-R, uh, with colors by Lee Lowridge and Jeremy Colwell. Um, and, it's a super timely book, um, but in essence, there is a many thousand acre compound um, called Briggsland. There is a uh, a gentleman who is the, uh, I guess, the patriarch of of the land, but he has been in jail for twenty years for trying to kill the president. And the book opens with his wife coming to visit him in prison, and he's reading her the riot act because she was supposed to come the day before, and he had orders for her to pass back on to the people because he's still running the show. And basically, she says, "Go fuck yourself. I'm in charge now." And comes back to the to the to the to the land, and um, makes it clear that she's the new head of 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 the of the community, and. It's just a fascinating look at essentially uh, a group of people that have a militia that basically live on their own completely off the grid. Uh, they're distrustful of the government and they've lived away from the government out of the government site for generations at this point. And this woman is fighting to both maintain what they've built, but at the same time change it for the better because she feels that her husband somehow over the course of the evolution of this community lost their way, but she is a total badass. Uh, you know, it's not often you see a protagonist. That's a woman in her fifties who is, you know, both the smartest and the toughest person, uh, in, in the room. And that's, that's her. Um, and Brian and, uh, his art partner, uh, Mac Chater just do a fantastic job of setting up this world where, um, you know, there's tension between 
her and her husband, needless to say, there's tension between her and she. It's a compound, but but the, there's a giant house where she and all of her family live. So her, her sons live there, her, her daughters-in-law, her grandkids. Um, the sons, she has three sons. They're all very different in their motivations and perhaps their loyalties. Bum, bum, bum. Um, her oldest son, Caleb, who should be the rightful uh, new leader of the community if her husband's been pulled out of the picture, um, is an outright unabashed bigot. You know, he's all tatted up with Nazi tattoos and stuff. And that's the thing about this book. I mean, uh, Brian pulls no punches. Uh, I mean, there is very, very um, ultra-sensitive stuff being dealt with here, including racial insensitivity, sexism, um, class warfare, uh, political drama, isolationism, you know, xenophobia. Um, but it's, it's, it's done in such a way that it, it just, it's gripping. Every issue was gripping. I mean, I read it in trade, but I have to say that every issue had a climax, just like old, you know, great comics used to in the old days. Um, and, uh, I just, I, I can just imagine, I get the vibe from this the same way I got like the vibe from Scalped when Jason was doing it with Gara. Like we're going to get to know so many of these characters and there's going to be so many tragic arcs that intertwine with one another. Um, I don't know how long he's got in mind for this. I assume it's a long running series based on uh, the groundwork that he's laid in these first six issues, but man, oh man, is it great. Um, you know, if, if you're a fan of, of, of DMZ or a fan of, uh, uh, of, of Scalped or, or anything that Rucka's done, um, this is something you really need to check out. I, 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 it's immediately in the through first three months of the year, it's vaulted up clearly into one of my favorite things I've read this year. I, I just, I, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about it. And Chater and Lowridge are, are phenomenal on the art as well. It's, it's, it's a very realistic looking book. Um, I think by design. So, you know, um, I, you know, I would, I would say it's, it's, it's not something that's going to, the book is not going to visually wow you in terms of, you know, there's not a lot of room for over creativity here. It's a realistic book. It's meant to feel real and to feel visceral. Um, but in, in, in that vein, it, it does an excellent job. Um, you know, all the characters are distinct looking, uh, there's tons of detail and, um, yeah, man, I just, I, I think it's great. I, I just can't wait. This is the, a book that, that almost as you're reading it, you can see how it would make just a phenomenal television show. Because each issue was essentially an interesting vignette or episode unto itself, but they all clearly intertwine. So, uh, yeah, it's Briggsland from Dark Horse by my cousin. I'm gonna look into that. I'm not sure you would like it. Hey now. No, I'm saying because I, it's 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 very realistic looking and it's a crime book. So I don't know that it's right in your wheelhouse per se, and it's pretty violent and there's a lot of like bigotry and even some animal stuff going on. So I don't think it's really something that maybe Dak wants to be up in either. <laughs> so wait, 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 strike one, strike two, plus one. And yeah, again, I got to, I, mean, I got to remove myself from the animal stuff. I mean, I don't mind it, but like, it doesn't change my, my opinion. Of well, the I mean, thing, but like I don't want to see live it. off the land. So there's hunting and yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like, they're not like being cruel to animals for the sake of it, but they are killing animals to. They're surviving. I know. Yeah, but 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 um, but it's just a highly topical book as well, you know. And I like that. Like all these people are off the grid. I mean, a lot of these people were born on this land, and so they're they have, they have no records. No, they didn't go to public schools. Have paid taxes. Have no, just no connection to the world. Um, Sounds so good to me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat stuff. 
I will who's, check it out. Who's writing Rebels? Is that Vaughn or is it is it Wood? That's Wood as well. I thought so. I'm not reading that though. No, I mean I, I read the first issue and it just it it's 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 well done. It's just it, it's not for me. It's not my cup of yeah. Me. Revolutionary War stuff's not really my scene, right? So, but I am reading Black Road, as you know, and I did read seven and eight of that this week as well, and and that continues to be quite quite entertaining. So. I had to catch up on that. Yeah. And although speaking of wood, since uh, this shouldn't be a short in your travels, what did you think of Starve when you finished it? I'll let you know when I finish it. Oh, I thought you did. I put it in there, and then uh, I haven't finished it yet. That's some premature so, shit. All right. Premature, Are you hungry for more? Premature denotation. Uh, I will say whether I am or am not when Jason talks about it. All right. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. And... Not that that's the only thing people should be looking forward to, but we may, depending on, since we already have shit to talk about next week that we didn't talk about this week, we may actually have somewhat of a homework assignment for next week with the four of us, um, with the, uh, DC Heroes Hanna-Barbera crossovers. There's four issues that Good. came out. Four of us? What we... Who's joining us? No, I said the four issues that came out. I think you said four of us. Yeah, I think he did too, but he's not gonna believe you. He's not <laughs> no, gonna believe did... you. No, when did I, what? What? I say four of us. You did say four of us, but that's okay. No, but how? I don't. I don't know. But you said it. Rewind, people. Homework for us. There, I said homework for us. Oh, okay. Oh, both us. Right. Well, anyway, <laughs> there <Please>. are. us. <laughs> Everybody jumping on Dap. Poor Dap. There are what five of them? Four. Four. Adam Strange. Right. right. Booster Gold. Uh, Booster Gold. Then you got Green Lantern with Space Ghost. Right. Oh, and the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not um, looking forward to that one. No, I, the only reason I'm kind of interested in that is the um, the Ben Caldwell art. But they all have backups. So you have oh, uh, nice. Plus or Top Cat and, and yeah, so it's it's they're um and the Jetsons. So every there's there's Jetsons there's a backup in each one. Yeah. Cool. You know, I I'm not saying this, but I am saying this because it's gonna <clears throat> play into something that Jason said a while back. I loved Scooby Apocalypse, but it's like, let's wrap this shit up. Mm. It, oh, see? Yeah, it's going on a little too long. Whereas I think Flintstones just gets better and better. But yes. it's done. Flintstones is done. Well, he was, only, was only 12. Only, right. He was only doing 12. 12 is... Oh, that's depressing. It's done. No, but that was all he was... I, it's, it, well, yes, I'm not saying it's that he's... But I'm, it's, I'm just saying it's depressing because it's so good. Right. Yeah. I mean, without I without doubt, Flintstones... Else. I think he's got... Um, not banana splits. I think he has, he, I think he has another Hanna-Barbera thing he's got planned. Yeah, this banana splits thing... You don't mess with the banana splits. Save it, it for the show. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Hey everybody, uh, remember Valiant Exo Manowar number one, go there, get it. It's, it's everywhere. It's at, it's our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Take our word for it. It is amazing. We talked about it last episode. Just go get it. Um, once again, if you enjoyed any of this episode, I'm sure there was something you liked about it. Please do us a solid and leave us an iTunes review. Or in a, a review somewhere that you got this thing. Uh, it means a lot to us and it gets us more listeners and more listeners mean the community grows and the 
bigger the community, the more fun we'll have. So more so, money that pours in. And stop. Rosemary. Yeah, because we're raking in the dough. Oh yeah, hand over fist. Um, and and um, come back next week. We will be waiting for you with more comic talk because David tends to get a little little weird. I don't know if that's mm. the, the word we can. Yeah, yeah, it's the word. He gets yeah. a little. He gets a little weird when he's not. Spaghetti. He gets a little weird. <laughs> he gets a little weird when you're not here. He hides behind plants. We thought it was the 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 the, the, the manager's son, but it wasn't. It was Dad. <laughs> oh shit! I swear this wine is bad. Because I, I, I am like, woohoo! Come back next wow, week. Michael Jackson thing. On yes. Um, at work, they listen to the XM Radio Seventies channel, which is good. Yeah, me too. No, yeah. it's really good. I do. We listen to it in the car. But you get the occasional rock with me. Uh-huh. Wait, what is all this? XM Radio. XM. Yeah, the Seventies. Right, Seventies on Seven. I love oh, it. Peace and love. Stop! It's a great shit, channel. Bro. Fooled around and fell in love. Yes. Come on, this is great shit. Out. But it's just like every so often you get the Michael Jackson. I'm like, I can't, I can't have it. Stop. That'd be the only thing that I would actually keep keep the channel on for. Dude, Boston, oh. Fleetwood Mac. Come on. Oh, John. What? You don't shit on the Boston. No. <laughs> okay. You do not shit yeah. on the Boston. No, I mean they're clearly clearly <laughs> above approach. <laughs> I think you just you can you can you can just search Michael Jackson in one of the greatest podcasts I know, right? of all yeah, time. But that's debatable. But that's no, very no, debatable. Don't, don't, don't fuck with the guy I, selling out the county fairs, bro. That, who can What? Dude, the, the, I think I think I did see Boston once at the at the New Jersey State <laughs> Festival. I think Sell I had just had my first I was eating my first ever fried Oreo. That's right. They're like, now please welcome Boston. <laughs> like, what's Boston doing in Jersey? <laughs> Funny, I don't remember Michael Jackson being there. Oh, that's right. He was selling out Wembley Stadium that same weekend. My bad. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you, you, bo- you both can can go pound. Uh-huh. Yeah. Laugh it up. That's funny. Okay. And anyway, David gets weirder than usual. When you're not here, so please come back. We we love you so much. We want you here, and in the meantime, say good night. <laughs> David, wow! Don't look back. Good night. Oh, I am a shit singer. <laughs> I am terrible. Yeah, I googled Boston greatest hits and it came up blank. First time I Google page it came up blank. Stop! Seriously, don't. No, the greatest hits was like a single. Dicks, big swinging <laughs> Terry model dicks. That's what you are. <laughs> At least I curve up, not to the left. Say goodnight, mm. David. I did. I mean, what time did I say it? Oh, did you? Yes, you were talking about. It was right when Jace was talking about googling. It was. It was fine. It's pathetic that he has to Google Boston. That's just like wrong. That's that. That's that's a. Well, I know they're saying more than a feeling. What else have they said? What more than a feeling? Don't look back, man. That I'll never be a man. If I can, de- Boston's awesome. Who's a? Ma- I don't know any of those songs except for more than a feeling. Yeah, you do. When you, you, the you first album that. plays like a greatest damn hits. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. 
Yeah, he said it. And I went there. Who do you like better, Boston or Kenny Loggins? Nah, you're just being, you're just being facetious now. <laughs> I, I can play that game. He loves the Loggins. Uh, take comfort in the fact that Kazeki's on your side because he thinks mm. he thinks they're overproduced, which is yeah. Let's make this sound as good as possible. That's a <laughs> that's a drawback. What? Uh, Bye. We love so you. Often I wonder about him. We love you so much. I'm never gonna feel good when you tell me I'm a Kazeki can. <laughs> <laughs> but I see I love him so much though. Oh I do too. He's my, my favorite mental patient. No. Kaziki's he's awesome. He is awesome. He is. He, that doesn't pre- he, his being awesome and being a mental patient are not mutually exclusive. Nah, let, if we're going there, let's be real. Daryl's a mental patient. No. Yes. Yeah. Daryl is the voice of reason. Oh, oh my god. Oh, <laughs> Wait, we're, are you serious? We're going he's headlong. Far the most normal. No, no, you're you're driving into crazy town. Your brakes just wait. Is it? Are we? Are we not? No, we're are we not including Gil in this conversation. No, oh, Gil's pretty level headed. Exactly. Yeah. True. True. Kaziki. I, I still think that no, Daryl's the most grown up though. What? Mm. You got easily, it. dude. Daryl's a grumpy old man. Yeah. But he's the most grown up. Yeah. There's no, no, it's not I, even. I that's not that. even debatable. Uh, yeah. That's true. I agree with that. I think Raph is the most. Dude, I don't know how Raph get banned from Facebook repeatedly. It's like, like, as soon as he logs in, it's like... It is hysterical. I don't... He like, can, he's a good-looking man. Dude, there are hate groups that don't get banned from fucking Facebook. That's true. I, I, don't, like, I don't even know what's well, going on. Well, you know what? When you swing your dick in the window, you're going to attract attention. Right? I think he must have put it on Zuckerberg's wife. I wouldn't doubt it, but we have far outlived our our uh, our stay here. So I know you guys don't listen to uh, Howard Stern, but Scarlett Johansson was on this week. I'm I want to see Ghost in the Shell. I think it looks great. Me too, but she is so damn sexy, dude. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, water's wet too. I know, but her voice it's perfect. Yes, it is. Absolutely, she's a goddess. I know she that's really like. Stupid to say that, but she is. I think she's a, she's a, a gorgeous, as an actress, so what, right? She, she looks good and she, she's good enough, but visually, my god, she's stunning. Absolute vision. Yep. She's a MILF now, too. Yeah. Uh, we're all MILFs. We're not MILFs. <laughs> None of the three of us are, are mothers. No. <laughs> Still. <laughs> did you tell me? You just didn't say DILF. Yeah. Dude, I want to get matching t shirts to say DILF for heroes. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, it's so much fun. That's great. Uh, yeah, if you want more of this, come back next week. We'll be here. We always are. And, always uh, and forever. Yep. Yeah, I had such a good time. You will too. Always and forever. Yeah. But you know what? Just don't take Jason, whatever Jason says, uh, as, as gospel. Cause he's, he's just, you know, he's just fronting. He, he loves Boston too. Fronting. Just very wild. Um, um, totally fronting. 
I will I will convert you to the the uh, religion of Boston. They're great. But you don't like rock, so why am I even trying? I don't like rock. You don't like That's rock. That's true. He said he liked 311. That's true. You're right. Yes. Oh. <laughs> you don't I mean, like... That's just a generational thing. What you do about that? You don't like 311, do you? Love 311. Oh, they're so derivative. I saw them in concert. Oh, my God. I know they're derivative, but it was when you come up, dude. Yeah, but you could I'm be coming up with somebody else, concert. somebody right. good. Come up with the Chili Peppers. That would be I good. I love the Chili Peppers. Oh, all right, then. Seen him in concert three times. Me too. Boom, see? We have some overlap. Fist bump. Boop, boop. Put your fist bump. about Soundgarden? <laughs> yes. Okay. Now so you're talking. Good. Now you're all rolling. right. You're all right. Now we're rolling, right? <laughs> no, nah, but you know, it, as, I, as I age, I am having, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's a, like a Wayback Machine, but, but I'm, I'm accepting more uh, I'm, I'm more accepting of the stuff that I used to hate. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up loving Journey. Then there was like a long stretch where I just, I hated them because it was cool to hate Journey. Now, when Journey comes on, I'm like, yeah, don't stop believing. Like Journey. Don't stop believing, bitch. How about Shooty's Groove? What the hell is that? Oh, so you don't even know. Shooty's Groove? Mm-hmm. Who that? They are a, uh, like a, a rap, a rap rock band from the 90s. Yeah, I'm out. Out. You're out? Yeah. Whatever, dude. Boston's? Who? Oh, Mighty Mighty Boston's? Yeah, they're okay. Yeah, they're all right. They're all right. I can't I can't disparage anything they've done. I I enjoy it. That's my stuff. How about anthrax? Uh don't mind it, but can't say that I've listened to it in a long, long time. But don't mind it though. Okay. You're all right. How about um, nine inch nails? <laughs> up to a certain <laughs> up to a certain point, yeah. There's a there's a point in Trent Reznor's career where it just goes off the rails and it's just like self indulgent bullshit. But yeah, I'm with you there. Downward kind of spiral. About Primus. What? No, as I've said, Les Claypool, greatest bassist ever. But now, nah, see, I don't even I, know about that. But he's nah, he's true. very but, no, but, it's not true. But I feel like I feel like it, it just. It, it makes me feel some kind of way after a while. It, it's, I can see where it would be a caricature of itself after a while, yeah. but yeah. I I have nothing but love for for Primus and everything. You know who I love to punch right in the face. Who? Guar. Stop. Right in the face. They're cartoons. Why? Why do you feel that way? Never liked them. It's a parody. I know. It's all, I like it's, all it's all tongue in cheek. Don't like it. That's why I don't like. The- ICP either. Oh, well, ICP is just the fucking... Stop. I don't like stuff. It doesn't, doesn't do it for me. <clears throat> I thought you got me. Dude, I didn't say you can't like it. I said I don't like it. All right. Damn. Who who do I want to punch I'll in the face? You. No, I'm not sensitive at all. Um, who do I want to punch in? I don't want to punch anybody in the face. You know, I wanna, you know who I want to punch in the face? The, those assholes on my 600-pound life. I want to punch every single one of them in the face. Never seen it, but don't, I, don't I, watch I know it. where you're coming from. Don't watch it. No. My daughter, she's a sucker for the, the reality shows, and she watches like all that shit. That well, is, what's engaging about someone that can't even wipe their own ass? Nothing, right? Nothing. There's, there's nothing like, engaging. Like it's, either, it's either tragic or, or sad. Like, 
like I don't know, like I, I never understand what those shows like that and hoarders and all like are, are are they designed to just make you feel better about your normalcy? Is that what that's about? You know, that's a good question because Dap and I were talking on the Slack. I don't know where you were. You're never on there. Um, <laughs> talking to my son in. Oh, okay. Well, that's a my good kids thing. go to bed before we record. Like normal kids. No, Dap and I were talking on the Slack, and I said, I wish that the producers of these shows would take a stance. Like, all right, my 600-pound life, they're so removed from it. They're not saying this is bad or good or they're, they're indifferent. They're just showing they're, – they're, right. they're, they're like presenting you with these people and you take it as you will. I want to see somebody come out and, and you know, pick a side. Say, not my 600-pound life. But let's call it assholes who blame everything else in the world other than themselves for the fact that they're 900 pounds. You know, let, let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. And they don't. It's just like I, I don't like the invisible producer. Take a friggin' side and show me. Like, this is bad. This is good. These people are scum. These people are just, you know, we should feel bad for them. At least pick something. But they don't. It's just here it is. Make of it what you will. That's bullshit. I saw one the other the other day that the guy was like 700 pounds and he's bitching at the nurse because the bedpan was under him for like too much longer than he wanted. He's calling her a bitch and it's like, I'm going to call the cops. You're an asshole, blah, blah, blah. Like I would walk out of that room and never walk in it again. Like you should, you should die. You're doing nothing but taking up space. But Mm -hmm. I'm I'm an insensitive prick. So true. I am. Whatever. We have gone far too long. <laughs> We're in uncharted territory. So let's bring it on home. I noticed that Dap is not saying anything because he's like, yeah, I'm going to put on the flag jacket <laughs> right now. We're done. And we'll be back next week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Bye. Speak on it. Speak on Please. it. See ya.
The devil. 